WABC New York and 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. In Washington, where the U.S. House convened again to try and pick a new speaker, the Representative Jim Jordan from Ohio did not get enough votes. He got 200 and 217 are needed. Jordan is now trying to drum up more support among his colleagues. It's been two weeks to the day since House Speaker Kevin McCarthy was ousted in a historic vote. Jordan has just as many votes as I had on the first round. I think the difference here, too, is we have rules so we can sit down, talk to the other members, and be able to move forward. Congressman Jordan's office says they expect another vote to happen sometime today. Events in the Middle East spiraling out of control. An airstrike at a hospital in Gaza has left hundreds dead. But it's not what it seems. Hamas claims Israel struck the hospital. Israel denies it. They say a faulty Hamas rocket fired from Gaza hit their own hospital. Number one, Israel does not target places like hospitals. They're not a target for us, and we wouldn't have deliberately hit a hospital. Number two, we know that at the time of this tragedy, that Hamas was firing a barrage of rockets at Tel Aviv. Uh, and the center of the country. President Biden steps out of Air Force One and begins his visit to Israel, an incredibly high-stakes mission to the country just less than 24 hours after the tragic blast at the hospital in Gaza, an incredibly difficult and now even more complicated mission facing the U.S. president. Chopper 2 was over a rally in Washington Square Park. The NYPD drawing the line between dueling rallies. We weren't planning on saying anything about Palestine. We were just, we wanted to call out the terrorist organization Hamas that did this. The pro-Israel rally was organized by the Student Supporting Israel group from NYU. My loved one was being bombarded by rockets, um, under attack, afraid to walk on the street. No one should have to live that way. I don't think there is any country in the world that would accept um, such atrocities against their civilians. Directly in front of them, those in support of the Palestinian people are calling attention to what they believe to be genocide happening in Gaza right now. It can barely be called a war. One side doesn't have an army. These are textbook war crimes. Mass movement of people cutting off of electricity, food, water, medical care, bombing of hospitals. Although tensions were high, these were peaceful demonstrations. One thing both sides had in common, praying for their people and also an end to the atrocities happening around them. Our goal is to say there's no room for hate of any group in the city, and we've been consistent on that. Mayor Eric Adams made those remarks just ahead of a meeting he had with the Israeli Special Envoy for Combating Anti-Semitism. We made sure that when we did our deployment to sensitive locations, it includes mosques, uh, synagogues, churches, and other houses of worship, uh, our Sikh temples, because we're aware that the visible signs of religions are normally the first to experience some form of attack. We have had no incidents of a major proportion where the two groups in close proximity um, got into physical altercations. The long and winding road.
So it seems like a long, winding road right now to lead us back to peace and love or any of those beautiful abstracts. It seems like a very long and winding road. The Beatles, of course, as we start our Hump Day Wednesday show here, sitting friends in the morning, 608 here in New York City. And the big story from last night was... Besides me and O'Reilly talking, the big story from last night was this bomb, this rocket blast, I should say, at a hospital in Gaza. So these um, these animals, these Palestinians, the Hamas people, they, uh, you know, their rockets, they basically make in garages in Gaza, you know, and they're not exactly, they're not exactly the most sophisticated weapons you're going to find in the world today. So they got a lot of duds, and a lot of their rockets don't get where they're supposed to go. So, for example, the animals were trying to fire rockets at Tel Aviv, but it is not only likely but probable that a few of these rockets just ain't going to make it. The Israelis, on the other hand, we, and you'll have to excuse me, because in the sports business, if I'm talking about the Giants and I say we, people get very upset. You don't play for the Giants, but they're my team. Israel is we on this show. We have very sophisticated weapons and great intelligence. We don't hit hospitals. We don't kill civilians. We don't go into Palestinian villages at 6 o'clock in the morning on a holiday, rape their young girls, and kill the elderly and babies. We don't do that. You animals do. So these idiots fire off a rocket, and it's a dud. And it slams into their own hospital in Gaza, killing hundreds of people. But you know what they do now. 
the Palestinians, is this is not just a war of terror. Now it is becoming increasingly a war of propaganda. Okay. So now you got a propaganda war where you have Hamas and the Palestinians telling everybody, look at Israel, they bombed our hospital, when it is becoming increasingly clear they did it to their own people. I don't think they did it on purpose. They screwed up. But now they're going to blame Israel. And there's enough pro-Palestinian morons and enough Jew haters that buy it. You heard that one piece Alec put in the open where there were dueling rallies in Washington Square Park last night. And one of the pro-Palestinians, this fat, stupid bastard, he goes, well, these are the epitome of war crimes, Israel, cutting off electricity, not supplying water, bombing hospitals. We didn't bomb the hospital, stupid. We didn't do it. You did it. You killed your own people, which, which Hamas does all the time with no remorse, none. In fact, as the Israelis were begging these Palestinian people to leave before we started bombing them, it was their own people, Hamas, who were putting blockades up and saying, no, no, you're going to die here. You're going to die for our cause. We don't care. Anybody who really believes that Israel is responsible for the Gaza hospital bombing really hates the Jews. And the issue is there's a lot of them, even Biden. And I'm sorry, I know Biden is there this morning with Netanyahu. I know he's in Israel. I know he says all the right things. I don't feel like Biden loves Israel. I feel like Donald Trump loves Israel, loves him. I never got that feeling from Obama and or Biden. But even Biden has already come out and said this morning, and I quote him, looks like this bomb blast, you ready for this, was done by the other team. That was his quote, done by the other team. He's now labeled Israel and the Palestinians as teams. He made a sports analogy which is fine with me because at least he blamed the Palestinians and not the Israelis. Because I'm still trying to figure out why the Israelis have nearly 400,000 troops amassed ready to go and haven't done it. And I can't help but think Biden and America, this horrible administration, is part of the reason why. But Biden did say it looks like it was done by the other team. So with that said, let's get to our investigative reporter, the head of the WABC newsroom coming off his own great show. You got to listen, folks. I'm telling you, you're never going to hear me ever pump up other shows on radio. Just not my personality. Just don't do it. But Noam Layden, 5 to 6 every morning is great. And a lot of the information I share with you on this number one show comes from there because he does his homework. So Noam, it looks looks, uh, to me and to anybody really paying attention, that this is 1,000% Hamas rocket, not Israeli. Yes? Well, this is what the Israeli army is saying. They did an investigation. They say they had the exact time that that rocket was fired from within Gaza. They also um, have chatter on a phone call, which suggests that the 
people who fired off that rocket know that it accidentally, it was a misfire. Apparently, this rocket might have been aimed for Haifa. It was a long-range rocket and misfired and went into that hospital. And they say those two things confirm for them that it was not fire from the Israeli side, but it came from the Gaza side. No, it's one more time here, Lewis. This is the former Israeli ambassador to the U.K., Mark Regev. He was on Fox News, and he's going to confirm what Noam Layden just told you, Lewis. Mark Regev, cut number five. Number one, Israel does not target places like hospitals. They're not a target for us, and we wouldn't have deliberately hit a hospital. Number two, we know that at the time of this tragedy, that Hamas was firing a barrage of rockets at Tel Aviv and the center of the country. So, you remember Friday, this Hamas whack job declared Friday Global Jihad Day, and a bunch of pussies at this office stayed home, which is unacceptable. Yeah. Well, now today, Hezbollah has declared today, after the, quote, Israeli hospital explosion, today is now a day of unprecedented anger. (laughs) Yeah, the Hezbollah has declared today a day of unprecedented anger in Israel. Now, we're going to have not one but two guests live this morning from Israel for the eighth consecutive day from JNS.org. Alex Trayman's going to be back, and he's done a great job knowing with you, too. But I've got a buddy, a New Yorker, named Yuta Honigman, who in the past has helped out me and Danielle with our son's charity. He's even provided uh, tennis equipment for one of Ava's best friends, Pierre, one of those uh, machines that spits the balls to you. She could hit the balls back. He's a really good friend, and he's in a city just outside of Jerusalem, and he sent messages to me and Danielle on WhatsApp a couple of days ago where he admitted he was scared to death. And much like when Dove Hyken was on this show a couple of days ago and started to cry, Yuda said the same thing. Whatever you're seeing here, United States, the media, as horrible as it looks, and it looks horrible, It's ten times worse on the ground for folks living in Israel like Yehuda. So today becomes another dangerous day with this Hezbollah declaration, a day of unprecedented anger. What that means, Noam, I don't know, but again, they're blaming this explosion on the Israelis. And I'm telling you, 1,000% confirmation, Hamas did it to their own people, not necessarily on purpose, because they're morons. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it was on purpose. It sounds like it was a misfire. Yeah. And to that day of rage, uh, when we were talking to the NYPD yesterday, they say there's been no credible threats against the city so far, which is good. And so people should go about their day like they normally do. Well, let's hear from Mayor Eric Adams, uh, to, uh, Mayor Eric Adams, to what you're talking about right there. No, very good transition. Nicely done. We did not rehearse that. No. This is uh, Mayor Eric Adams on the tensions and uh, talking about any spikes in anti-Semitism, all these things. So this is uh, Mayor Eric Adams, Lewis, cut number six. Our goal is to say there's no room for hate of any group in the city, and we've been consistent on that. We made sure that when we did our deployment to sensitive locations, it includes mosques, 
uh, synagogues, churches, and other houses of worship, uh, our Sikh temples, because we're aware that the visible signs of religions are normally the first who experience some form of attacks. We have had no incidents of a major proportion where the two groups in close proximity um, got into physical altercations. And yesterday the mayor was on with these uh, two animals. I know I called Hamas animals, and I'm putting Joe Scarborough and Mika in the same category. That may be rough, but I'm doing it. He's on that uh, show every week, and you got Sharpton, that racist, and Mike Barnacle, that turncoat. He's on with the Morning Joe two days ago when he did say the mayor, no anti-Semitism, not in this city. Mayor Eric Adams, cut number seven. The consistency of how I feel about my Jewish residents uh, is no different than how I feel about all residents of all ethnicities. Now, anti-Semitism uh, has no room in this city. There's no place for hate in this city. And it really, I think, was despicable uh, while our uh, Jewish brothers and sisters were mourning uh, the immediate aftermath of the slaughter uh, that we saw in Israel, that you had uh, the DSA and others uh, carrying swastikas and uh, calling for uh, the extermination of Jewish peoples. That's not acceptable. Uh, we cannot stop the march because of their, their rights to march, but we darn sure can speak out against it and make sure that this city is a safe place for Jewish residents and others. So when Curtis Sliwa comes on, and I love Curtis, comes on at 10 after 7, and eviscerates, uh, eviscerates the mayor over this illegal crisis. I'm giving the mayor a ton of credit, a ton of credit. This uh, horrible tragedy in Israel, he has said all the right things. In fact, Noam Laden, are you familiar with a guy by the name of Sayel Kayed? No. Lewis, does that name ring a bell? Sayel Kayed. I do not know. Not okay. familiar. This um, lowlife was the person that actually organized last Friday's pro-Palestinian rally in Times Square, where thousands showed up. He happens to be the New Jersey chapter of American Muslims for Palestine's big voice. And in an article written in City and State yesterday, this uh, guy, Kayed, and other Muslim leaders in this city are furious with Mayor Eric Adams. And why is that? Because Mayor Eric Adams, as you heard there, is only talking about the Israeli casualties. Because Mayor Eric Adams, whether it's Eleonora Saruga or Sid Rosenberg or Menashe Shapiro, uh, Mayor Eric Adams has a lot of friends that are Jewish. And he has no stomach for what the Hamas slash Palestinians did. So he's doing what any decent human would do, which is, oh, my God, I feel horrible for the Israelis. This is not the time, Ron Kuby, to talk about the Palestinians lacking water in the Gaza Strip. He's doing the right thing. So the Muslim leaders, Lou and Noam, in New York City are furious with Adams. And, by the way, Adams needs their votes. He does need them if he's going to win re-election. Uh, he has come out and said, the mayor, that, he doesn't want to see innocent Palestinians die. He has done that. But clearly his focus has been on the Israelis, as it should be. Because let me remind people once again that it was a holiday, Shabbos, 6 a.m. Saturday morning, when the Palestinians, because Hamas, they are Palestinians, when the Palestinians went into Israel and did what they did.
It's not a two-sided event. It's not. One side went in and massacred innocent people. That side are those disgusting Hamas Palestinians. So I applaud the mayor for doing it the right way and focusing on the victims, the right people. Not every story has two sides. But we knew this was going to happen. Curtis talked about this days ago. He said, Sid, you've got 10 days before the world turns on Israel. It's less than 10 days. And now, with this hospital bombing in Gaza, which all these Jew haters are blaming Israel for, now it's going to get even worse. So congratulations to Mayor Eric Adams. You may hate him. You may hate his migrant policy. I know Johnny Tobacco wants to kill me right now. I don't care. Congratulations to Mayor Eric Adams for putting the emphasis where it belongs on the Jewish people, not the Palestinians. And folks, you idiots, there is no place called Palestine. There's no such thing. It doesn't exist. The Israelis were kind enough to give these people a place to live, supply them with electricity and water, and they still do. There is no such place called Palestine. So let's stop with that nonsense. All right, folks, big show coming your way today. It's always a big one. We will talk to Anthony D'Esposito. You know, he's a young kid. I like him a lot. Congressman out of Long Island. He's one of four New York Republicans who voted against Jim Jordan yesterday. Three guys on Long Island alone, Lolita Garbarino and D'Esposito. We're going to find out why they voted against Jim Jordan. Anthony coming up at 645. Curtis Lee was 7.10. Alex Trayman live in Jerusalem coming up at 7.40. Peter King, 8.40. Yuda Honigman coming up at 9.10. And Dr. Mark Siegel finishes up the guest list at 9.30. Hump Day Wednesday, Tunnel to Towers Day with me, Sid Rosenberg, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC.
Psychedelic Furs. Love this song. Nice job, Lou Rapino. Psychedelic Furs, Love My Way, 632. Pump day Wednesday morning. So it looks like there's been a bomb threat at the airport in France. They've closed the airport. There has also been a firebombing at a synagogue in Germany. You know, I really wish my sister listened to this show. I really do. Two of them do, Ray Sherry and Elizabeth. But my, my oldest sister, who I love dearly, I really wish she listened. And her husband, my brother-in-law, Harry. I talk about them all the time because I'm so frustrated. She just said to my other sister last week, you don't blame Biden for this, do you? Oh, Biden's been great. He's been terrific. Alana, the world is on fire. It's on fire. Airports closed in France. Synagogues being bombed today, firebombed in Germany. People dying all over the Middle East. Rallies and hate rallies in Jordan, in Egypt. Do you realize, Rana, that none of this, none of this, none happened during the four-year presidency of Donald Trump? I don't care if you hate his guts. There are facts and there's bullshit. Uh, bu- bullshizzle, excuse me. Yeah, I cursed. Because I'm frustrated. It's frustrating. Because the idiots that like Biden and are Democrats, they don't listen to facts. They're not interested. My brother-in-law said to me last week, provide me with proof. You want proof? Are you nuts? Watch the news for 30 seconds. The world is on fire. Nobody fears Joe Biden. Nobody's intimidated by the United States. Nobody. Not this ragtag bunch of losers, Hamas. Certainly not Hezbollah. Certainly not Iran. All we do is feed them more money, less sanctions. What do you mean provide proof? There's more proof here than against O.J., yeah, that was yeah. That's close, actually. Yeah, that's pretty close. <laughs> it is. I wish they would listen. Just open their ears. Stop reading the New York Times. Stop watching Joe and Mika. Remove the hate for one second. These are good Jewish people. My brother-in-law's parents, Holocaust survivors, numbers on the arm, the whole thing. And she has the nerve to say to my other sister, "You don't think Biden causes, do you?" I mean, come on. It's, well, it's, you're not going to convince people. No, I know. To come it's the just, other side. It's, that's the way the world is now. Everybody's done. No, in. I know. I was having this conversation with Bill O'Reilly, and he said, you know, the show is great, and you do a terrific job of, of presenting your points, but it, it is what we just talked about. You know, you, you know who's going to be listening. Now, I do believe that this show gets independence. I don't think other shows on this station do. I don't. I think we do. But not nearly enough. And we get some Democrats because I do have a relationship with some Democrat politicians, including the mayor. So they're willing to listen. I mean, because, look, folks, at the end of the day, I'm not some right-wing nut job. I'm not Rush Limbaugh. don't want to be. God bless his soul. I'm pro-choice. I'm pro-gay marriage. When it comes to social values, I'm pretty liberal. So I do believe there are some fair-minded folks that listen that aren't Steve Bannon, for example. God, he's gross. Ugh. 
But not enough. Not enough. You know, I asked uh, Bill yesterday, and I've asked uh, other people too, if the election was today, if this morning was the election, and I asked people, mind you, that have not said in the past Trump is going to win, they would say things like, look, he's got an uphill battle. Look, Biden's doing an awful job. Even Democrats know that. But they were not ready to say Trump would win. And talking to my guy O'Reilly yesterday, we'll talk again today. I asked him flat out, Bill, if the election is this morning, today, would Trump win? And O'Reilly's response was, it shocked me. It wouldn't even be close. Because, again, he's very careful with the Trump stuff. He has a relationship with Donald. They talk. Well, we know all that. But he tends to pull back on the Trump hysteria. Sid, it wouldn't even be close. He thinks Trump would kill Biden this morning. I don't buy that. I think it'll still be close. Just by the sheer numbers, I think it's almost impossible. In fact, it is impossible for any Republican to win going away. This doesn't work. Too many Democrats in this country that don't care. You can kill people right in front of them, and they'll find a way to blame Trump. There are people, you know, that are blaming Trump for this whole Israel-Hamas conflict, even though Trump was the guy who put together the Abraham Accords and had the Israelis talking to the Saudis, and it was an incredible peaceful time in the Middle East because he took Soleimani, an Iranian leader, a bad guy, and blew him into a 1,000 pieces. Biden provides these guys with hookers and cash. That's the basic difference. Pretty big difference, no? I would say so. So I I, uh, I reached out to a uh, completely different uh, subject now. I reached out to Anthony D'Esposito. So this is a kid that Peter King endorsed and loves, and he won. And I met Anthony, I believe, once, maybe twice, and I like him a lot. He's a very smart young guy. He's an up-and-comer. He could be a very important voice in the Republican Party. But he's one of the four Republicans in New York that voted against Jordan. And I'm mad at all of them. I am. I was mad at Nancy Mace for getting rid of McCarthy. I told her that, and she's still my friend, but I told her that. These people are so selfish. Lolita, Garbarino, D'Esposito. Well, Jordan wasn't giving Long Island what we need. Are you nuts? Who cares what you need? Are you kidding me? We need a Speaker of the House. We can't make any decisions. It's beautiful you're worried about your constituents and Long Island. I love Well, That's great. This is not the time for that. So here's D'Esposito, who won. He's a great kid, great kid. And I'm yelling at him. I'm like, Anthony, don't be selfish. Nancy Mace did the same thing. Don't be selfish. Just get it done. Get Jordan in there, and he'll take care of Long Island later. So I don't know what's going to happen today. There's another vote, I guess, coming up around noon today. But D'Esposito and Lolita and Garbarino and Mike Lawler. Like Mike Lawler voted against Jim Jordan because he wants McCarthy back. You can't do that, Mike. I wanted McCarthy to never leave in the first place. I agree with you. But you know what? We're past that. Vote for Jordan. The Republicans need to stop this. The Democrats are animals. They're the worst people God ever created. The worst. But you know what? They stick together. My party's a bunch of douchebags. They can't figure out at this time 
with the world on fire, Germany, France, Israel, the Middle East, then you got to put these silly differences aside and get Jim Jordan in that damn seat. Stop it. Stop. So now Anthony's on hold. He heard this whole thing. <laughs> and I did it on purpose. Because I'm at the point now in my career where I can yell at people, important people, and uh, they're not going to yell back because they know when they hang up, I'll spend the next four hours kicking their ass. Well, and getting... nobody wants to get up in the morning in New York City and put this show on, which a lot of you do, and then hear yourself getting your ass kicked. But I'll do it. I don't care how much I like you personally. I will kick your ass. <laughs> Start doing things for the country. Stop being selfish. Stop. It's long for a shirt, but I wrote it down. That's, yeah, I don't care. It sounds good. Stop saying, I don't know, I'll kick your ass. I was going to ask you a question, but I, now no, I'm No, I'm going to kick your ass, too. Be quiet. <laughs> okay, I'll ask it later. Much later. <laughs> it was a pertinent Maybe question, tomorrow. But, okay. What is a good ask me? I love you, <laughs> What? I was going to ask, if since he voted for McCarthy, is it possible no. if they all voted for McCarthy that he gets back in? Is that a possibility? What do I look like? Do I look like the moderator of Meet the Press to you? You're going to go talk I with I was just breaking down the Giants and the Eagles five years ago. Well, you're well, going to you go, you go told... talk with O'Reilly next week. You're a big yeah. deal. And you I am a big deal. You don't forget that. You can't do that. You can't do that. So. I, don't, I don't care about this. I don't know. I'm going to talk to D'Esposito coming up. I just don't care. Let me tell you, the country has zero appetite. O'Reilly told me the same thing yesterday. He's like, I don't care. We have zero appetite for these little bitches fighting in Congress. We don't care. Yeah. There are people dying every day all over the world. We don't care. I don't True. think anybody cares. Just get it, yeah. True. True. get it done. Get it done. They ousted McCarthy for no damn reason, and now Jordan, who's a great guy, is going through extra nonsense. Get it done. True. Well said. Anthony Desposito is coming up next. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mike Lawler. <laughs> First. Yeah. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers on the ice. The Islanders were in action at home last night, speaking by the Arizona Coyotes by a score of one to nothing after a scoreless first. It didn't take long into the second for the Isles to capitalize on a power play, thanks to a one-timer from Matt Barzell. The scoreboard didn't show it, but New York had their way with Zona all night long, registering 35 shots on net to the Coyotes' mere 14. And now, 2-0 and overall on the young season. The Isles will get set to welcome in the New Jersey Devils come Friday night to the Diamond and the MLB playoffs now, where the NLCS continued last night between the Diamondbacks and Phillies in Philadelphia. With a 10 to nothing blowout Phillies win, Kyle Schwarber hit two of Philadelphia's three solo homers off Arizona starter Merrill Kelly, helping Philadelphia improve to 7-1 and one in these playoffs. The Phillies will take a commanding 2 to nothing series lead into Game 3, scheduled for Thursday evening at 5.07 p.m. with the series leaving Philly and now heading for Arizona. As for the ALCS between the Rangers and Astros, the uh, Rangers, I should say, look to all but put away the Astros with a two games to none series lead heading into game three tonight. They'll try to do that in front of their home crowd with first pitch set for 8.03 p.m. in Arlington. That's sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. Build the world's best built boilers. I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. 
I see what you did here, Lewis. You're a genius. Anthony's song. It's not moving out. It's Anthony's song. And my guess is going to be Anthony D'Esposito. And it's Billy Joel, of course, is a Long Island resident. So you managed to uh, do it all in one shot off the great album The Stranger, Anthony's song, Billy Joel. Anthony D'Esposito is one of the four New York Republican congressmen to vote down Jim Jordan, one of the three on Long Island. And again, let me preface by saying, I love this kid. And I got a lot of balls yelling at him, but I just don't care. So. Here he is, Anthony D'Esposito. Good morning. What's up, Sid? How are you? Should I apologize for yelling at you yesterday and again this morning? I mean, I, I feel like I should, but I just don't want to. Never. That's the family's floor, right? I guess. You're right about that. We are, we are family. I do love you and... You know, people said to me, don't blame the kid, the Esposito. He's sharp. He's great. You know, this is all Joe Cairo's fault. Joe Cairo tells where these guys had to vote, and they, they just follow suit. I, I don't believe that's true, but. No, that's, no. that's not the truth. Listen, I, I, do, uh, I do confer constantly with Chairman Cairo. I think he's one of the great political leaders of this country. We've had great victories in Nassau County because of his leadership. Um, but this was, this was different, and, and as we discussed yesterday, uh, listen, we're in this position because Matt Gates decided to throw a temper tantrum and act like a man-child and use the uh, rules of the House of Representatives in order to oust the Speaker of the, of the House for the first time in our nation's history. And yesterday he was sending out fundraising emails uh, calling out you know, certain individuals like me and Lelota and Garbarino calling us rhinos. What he seems to forget is that just 14 days ago, him and seven other Republicans used every Democrat in the House of Representatives to oust Kevin McCarthy. And we were the ones who stood by Kevin, you know, in his last uh, couple of uh, press conferences. I was the one standing next to him defending him. I was making sure that uh, that Saturday before uh, we worked in a bipartisan fashion to pass that CR to keep our government open. That's the stuff that matters. That's what I wanted to be doing right now is putting appropriations bills on the floor to keep our government open. Uh, we live in New York where it's become a circular firing squad between Democrats. We were on the right side of every single issue. And this dope, Matt Gates has created this situation, and now we yeah. need to get out of it. But, uh, but I, I agree. I have, to, I have to disagree with you a little in that I love Jim Jordan. I think that uh, he's a good leader. He's, uh, he's, he's sharp. Um, but I want to make sure that we have somebody who is right for Long Island and right for New York. And I needed to get that message across. And, and it wasn't being heard yesterday and it wasn't being heard the day before. And I hope that now with uh, myself, Lolota and Garbarino sending a message that, that Long Island and New York is important. Uh, we sat down with Jordan last night. We're going to sit down with him this morning. And, and that's what matters to us. I don't think that uh, someone should become Speaker of the House by default uh, and be in line to secession of the President of the United States. Uh, unless they hear the voices of every single member of Congress. And and I think you, more than anybody, would appreciate that fight. Nah, just vote him in. Stop it. We have no <laughs> appetite for this. There's people dying everywhere, being serious. But look, I, I get it. I get what you're saying. You've got your constituents, and you're worried about Long Island. And that, that's what makes you a, a great congressperson. So let's get to the specifics, Anthony, that you want to see get done by Jordan so that when noon pops up today, and you are going to vote for him, I'm telling you you are, you and Garbarino and Lolito, all you guys vote for him because he's going to pay attention to what issues that he hasn't the last couple of days. Well, I, what's most important to us is restoring the, the salt deduction. 
making life more affordable for New Yorkers. It's something that a lot of Republicans, you know, kind of brush off and they think it's a joke. Uh, it's not a joke to us. It's one of the biggest issues. When you poll on Long Island and New York, it's one of the biggest ones. And we, we're not expecting a grand slam home run to restore salt to its, uh, its entirety, but we want to hit some base hits to get around the, the diamond. Secondly, you know, one of, one of the things, I mean, you're a huge supporter of Tunnel for Towers. One yes. of the things that, that hurts us is, you know, Jim Jordan voted a, a few times against 9-11 funding. And we want to make sure that moving forward as Speaker of the House, that 9-11 is important to him. Garbarino and I both are co-sponsors of the bill uh, to provide all the funding for, for 9-11 victims and for the health care. And we want to make sure that that is a priority of his. Uh, we have uh, flood insurance. Obviously, Long Island, it's about to expire. In the United States, there's a flood insurance issue that's about to expire. That would halt literally the, the housing market of, of the country, but especially on Long Island. It's a, it's a problem, and we want it, we want it addressed. And lastly, we want to make sure that he understands, again, Long Island and New York, it's important. Our districts are very diverse. You know mine, it has one of the, the biggest Jewish populations in this country. And there has never been a time we, we need to make sure that our voices are heard. And, and we need to know that Jim Jordan understands that. And I think we will get there. Fair enough. That's uh, good stuff right there. Anthony D'Esposito, congressman out of uh, Nassau County. I love this kid. Uh, all those things you just mentioned need to get done. I agree with you. You know what's uh, weird, Anthony, is, you know, Peter King is on 840 every Wednesday, and he's one of your uh, mentors and, and heroes as well, along with Joe Cairo. And uh, Peter King is often designated a rhino by the folks on this show. When he came out and said, you know, I like Trump's policies, but I wouldn't vote for him. And, of course, he's completely okay with giving these Ukrainians a ton of money, which I'm not. And so he's been designated a rhino by a ton of my listeners. And now you tell me that you and Lolita and Corporino recalled the same thing yesterday. What is it about Long Island politicians that you guys seem to be branded with that ridiculous moniker, whatever that means? I, I mean, I, I guess because, you know, I, I decided to – uh Use some profanities against uh, Matt Gates, who, who you know claims to be uh, this MAGA Republican. Anthony, I guess. L- listen to me carefully. Matt Gates is a colossal jerk off. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I, I used other terms to the press here, but yeah, that I can't repeat on on the on the radio. But I agree with you, and and he's created this mess. Um, and, and again, he's the one that needed support of every single Democrat. Uh, and now they're they're sitting across the aisle in the in the in the chamber and pointing their finger at us. They created this. Kevin McCarthy was doing a good job. He was he was a, a quality speaker of the house, and and they decided to send this house into turmoil because they wanted to take the lead of of a of an egotistical manchild from Florida named Matt Gates. Well, I know why you guys on Long Island voted against Jordan at least yesterday. Again, there'll be another vote about noon today. I mean, you you laid it out uh, very well, but. Uh, along with Mike Lawler, the four out of New York, there were still 16 other Republicans, 20 in all, that voted down Jim Jordan. Do you have any idea what their issues were? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a few different issues. There's there's some people, I believe, you know, I don't want to speak for Mike. I, I think he's coming on. But uh, they believe that Kevin should have never been ousted, and, and therefore they're going to continue to vote for Kevin until he says otherwise. You know, I, I'm not sure if McCarthy – um, is going to is going to be able to make a return, but that's for us to see. And then there's others who uh, are very angry and they're frustrated, and they want to hear from a candidate uh, for speaker who is going to hold accountable Matt Gates and and the posse that that created this mess. And listen, as a, as a New Yorker, as a retired NYPD detective, 
I get that. You know, we, we want people to be held accountable and people should pay the price for acting like uh, a, a, you know, a, yeah. a total uh, man child. But um, we also need to move this country forward and we need to get back onto the, to the floor. We need to provide funding to Israel. We need to defend our borders. We need to, uh, you know, make sure that we're putting appropriations bills on the on the floor so that we're not shutting government down. I mean, there's tons of work to do. Uh, but instead, we, we do have people, and, and Matt Gates is, is the lead, uh, that are, are using you know the, yeah. the country's oldest institution as a theater. No, I agree. Did you see Matt or my friend Nancy, any of those folks? I'm sure you did yesterday. What, what, were, the, what, were, their, what were their behaviors like? Oh, I, I, only, I didn't actually see Nancy. I saw Matt. He was uh, you know, sitting in his usual spot. A lot of laughs, a lot of giggles. I guess he thinks this is funny. Mm. Um, and, and quite frankly, he, he's created uh, an embarrassment. And there's no defense to this. We should be working and doing the people's work. I, I didn't go to Washington. I didn't get sent to Washington in a district where, uh, you know, Democrats outnumber Republicans and Joe Biden won by 16 points. I didn't get sent there uh, because people wanted the same old. They wanted change. And uh, that's what I'm trying to deliver. And people like Matt Gates are getting in my way. And there's, um, in terms of the border money, which to me is the most important thing of any of these uh, bills, the border money, uh, is it true that concession will be money to Ukraine? I mean, uh, listen, uh, I-, I thought we've given these people way too much anyway. You know that. It doesn't matter what you think. It- it's fine. Um, but right now, if I see a dollar go to Ukraine and not Israel, I'm going to be doubly pissed. So is that a concession you guys have to make? If if you get money for the border, then more money has to go to Ukraine. I, I don't think it's a must. I think it's it's something that people are asking. But you know, I think right now we need to focus on our own borders before we focus on others. I mean, we need to. You know, uh, Israel is our greatest ally. I've made two trips there in the past six months. Um, again, I represent probably one of the biggest Jewish populations in the country, and we need to get our house in order so that we can start providing the resources that they need. Because this, you know, I spoke to rabbis yesterday in my office. What we've seen over the last week or 10 days is the beginning of a very long journey. And we must remember that, you know, the Holocaust didn't happen overnight. It happened after, you know, after many, many years. And we can't let that happen again. And, and there's weak leadership here in, in the United States of America. And anyone who says that that wasn't part of the cause or that wasn't uh, what has uh, ignited people to act ridiculous throughout this world, they're crazy. Um, so we need to get our house in order so that we could show some leadership and strength and, and put our enemies, you know, and hold them accountable. So on the way out, uh, again, I know you guys are going to meet with Jim Jordan this morning. The vote they're saying comes around noon this afternoon, you don't have to tell me how you're going to vote, but do you feel relatively confident we'll have a Speaker of the House later on today? Sid, I, I hope so. I mean, there's nothing that I want more, but uh, I am concerned about about some of the other holdouts that have, have made it very clear that it's, uh, you know, they're just not voting for, for anybody at this point because they don't feel comfortable. And quite frankly, we, we can't move forward like that. We need to come to a consensus. We need to work together. We need to be a unified party. And listen, as, as we started this, this call off, you know, it's about family and family could yell at one another. We need to come together as a Republican family. I may not like Matt Gates. I may not ever want to sit at King Umberto's and have a meal with him. But <laughs> yeah. I will tell you that we need to come together and, and make some decisions because it's for the best yeah. interest of this country and the people who sent us here. That is a great restaurant. And we had dinner there together, me, you, and uh, Danielle and Peter and his lovely wife, Rosemary. So in the last 30 seconds, if not Jim Jordan, if the vote falls short again, very simple question, Anthony. If not Jim Jordan, 
then who? Well, there are talks that uh, obviously we have a, a speaker pro tem in place in uh, in Patrick McHenry, um, and there are talks of of giving him the powers of of speaker so that we could at least begin to govern, get bills on the floor, provide that funding for Israel, uh, and get our appropriation bills moving forward. Uh, so at least we're not hold, holding the United States of America uh, in limbo. And I, I think that uh, if that's a, something that we can agree on. Um, it's in the best interest of the country, and, and we can we can move forward. You are terrific. You really are. I mean, great guy, impressive guy. Nassau County is very lucky to have you. I uh, wish you guys the best of luck in D.C. today, and I uh, would hope that uh, all you guys figure it out and do what's right for the country. But Anthony Desposito, you're a Sid babe, so thank you so much. Thanks, Sid. I'll tell Jim Jordan you said hello. I, I, please tell him I love Jim. Jim, and uh, I love Scalise, too. I, I, I was uh, horrified, by the way. Steve Scalise was treated. Anthony, good luck to you. That's Anthony Desposito out of Nassau County, one of our really impressive young congressmen here in the United States. That wraps up hour number one. We got a big hour number two coming up. Curtis, the man, Curtis Sliwa, and also a live look at Jerusalem with Alex Trayman, Tom Sullivan's favorite guest. Some more Billy Joel, Anthony song. Moving out. Sid and friends in the morning. From our friends. 77 WABC. job, I thought, by Anthony D'Esposito closing out the last hour. One of the four New York Republicans, one of the 20 Republicans in the country to vote down Jim Jordan. But the three Long Island guys, D'Esposito, Garbarino, not a huge fan of his, and Lolita, who replaced Lee Zeldin, they'll meet with Jim Jordan again this morning. The next vote comes up at noon, not this morning, at noon this afternoon. And hopefully Jim Jordan will get that role. We'll see. And, um... I also uh, wanted to point out that when I left the show yesterday, I got a bunch of pictures. Pictures. Oh, before I get to that, uh, the, the story you're going to hear all day today is that the Israelis bombed this hospital in Gaza. Folks, don't be stupid. It was not the Israelis. Hamas, don't forget, Hamas for the most part is still minor league baseball. They're the Royals. Okay, they have Iran. They're the Yanks. They've got Hezbollah. They're the Orioles, but Hamas is still the Royals. And they got a bunch of dud missiles and rockets, and it was their own rocket that was heading towards Tel Aviv that was a dud and hit their own hospital and killed their own people. But, of course, it's much easier to blame the Israelis. Now you got Hezbollah calling for a day of rage today. So when you hear that story today, trust me, it was not the Israelis, it was Hamas. But I leave yesterday and I get a bunch of pictures from my dear friend Mike Sullivan, a.k.a. Mr. Brennan and Carr. He is the king of Breezy Point, the whole family, him and Thomas and Brian and Danny, the whole family. And it's a bunch of workers at Floyd Bennett Field seemingly getting the field ready for a large influx of illegals. 
And Sullivan said, I know you just had Joanne Ariola on, and I like her. And by the way, I like Joanne, too. Joanne's been great to me. Calls me every day. Keeps me up to date as to what's going on. So I know Joanne was just on, and I like her, but I think she's wrong. It looks to me like they're getting prepared to bring these people in. And I swear, five minutes after that conversation with Sully, I get a call from the man. Big ratings noon to one every weekday afternoon. Big ratings overnight weekends. Does great work every day with me, the icon, the legend, Mr. Guardian Angel, Curtis Sliwa. You call me right after Sullivan sends me those pictures, and you basically said, Sid, here they come. Remember, the Sullivan family leads, first in war, first in peace, they're always there. And they're steady, they're consistent. And I'll be meeting with the Rebels tonight over that very same situation. You see... How many rebels are there besides you, John Tobacco, and Scott Lebedo? And I like all three of you guys. How many are there? There are dozens. Dozens. Out there. Well, you see, we turn out rallies. We turn out more people at our rallies than you Jews turn out at your <laughs> rallies here in New York. Fine. How dismal. How sad. You get a bunch of supporters of Palestine and, and Hamas. Some of them are actually Jewish kids wearing their yarmulkes. And you get a handful of Jews out there to come You know why? Because my people don't rally on Staten Island. My people don't rally on Brooklyn. All the brave and courageous Jewish kids in big numbers have flown to Israel to fight. Oh, yeah. They're not standing in yeah. Washington Square no, no. Park with you their know fingers where they go? up their ass. They go, they fill up Madison Square Garden and Barclays Center. Without Jews, Fine. there'll be no professional basketball <laughs> here in New York City. You're Come right on. about that. Admit, Sid, <laughs> I warned you two weeks ago, you had the DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America, down on the mat. It was a TKO. You let them off the mat. They regroup. They reorganize. They got more boots on the ground out there than Jews do, even though... The, there are so many Jews here in New York in the greater tri-state area. They're out hustling you. They're out organizing you. And what did I say? Because it was Jews talking to Jews, you left the evangelicals on the side who could pull out millions of people in support of Israel. But again, if you just want this to be, okay, Israel versus Palestinians, ongoing wars, you don't get more people on your side they're going to outmaneuver you, out-hustle you, and out-rally you. That's fair. That is a very fair And criticism. I've been saying that consistently from have day been, one. You have been. Now, look, uh, my guy, Dove Hyken, who organizes rallies for the Jews like you do for the illegals, he's in Israel. So I need folks like Joey Borgen, Abraham Hamra, all these guys that do go to a lot of rallies, a lot of them. And I need them to start doing what Curtis is saying, which is organize the Jews, because it is embarrassing to watch CBS this morning and see a rally, a dual rally in Washington Square Park. And to Curtis's point, have just as many, if not more, pro-Palestinian lowlives than pro-Israel. And then I show you the flyers they're giving out. Come to New York City. Support the Palestinians. Support Hamas. Bring your kafir. Bring your shmata on your head. This is our intifada here in the U.S. of A. And the Jews, they're like, well, you know, life goes on. Uh, let me get to what your guest there said, who I just wanted to ignore what he said, Esposito from Long Island. Oh, this is all well, about his, Long his Island. His name is D. Esposito. Whatever his yeah. name. He's a good kid. Yeah, good kid. The only one thing he said that made any sense. The rest of it was nonsense. And nobody cares about their, their internal disputes. Who cares? They're a bunch of babies. I agree. Focus on our own borders first. Focus on our own borders first. 
Our enemies are coming into our country every day. We know that there are terrorists who are taking advantage of the easy pass, marching from Mexico City up to the border and coming straight across, getting onto a bus. Catholic charities are saying, hey, come on, Andale, Andale, come on. Oh, you're from the sub-Saharan North African countries? Well, that's right, you don't speak Spanish. Well, come to New York anyway. Gee, you think they might be terrorists? Wow, there are active cells of ISIS and Al-Qaeda in all of those countries. Mauritania, Mali, uh, the Sudan, Chad. Oh, no, just let them all come in. Who's vetting them? And naturally, we got all our elected officials pledging support for Israel. Good. But not doing anything about our own borders. And there is an invasion taking place of our own country. Well, let, me, let me say this. I agree with you. And uh, I brought on Eric Adams, asked him flat out. I brought on Eddie Caban, asked him flat out. I spoke to Ray Kelly. So let me go on record and say I agree with you. I think an attack here is imminent. Gonna happen. I believe there's a ton of folks here that want to kill us. But, 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 there are some that say, man, Curtis and Sid get on that radio together, and they hate the Democrats so much, so much. I do, really, you don't. That they, 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 they talk about the imminent of, of an attack and, and all this stuff with no proof, no proof, and all they're doing is scaring the hell out of their listeners when, in fact, they don't really know. Okay, so to all of those out there, open up your doors and let anybody come in <laughs> and assume that they're not going to do a home invasion of your house. No, no, no. They're not going to take advantage of this. They're not going to come in. I mean, they've already stolen my packages on my porch, these porch pirates. They've already gone in and out of uh, stores. By the way, the illegals have now learned how to shoplift. They know that in America you can go in and out of stores and walk out, and there are no no complications at all in terms of your your illegal status. It's funny you say that. So I'm on the train yesterday. Yes. Every day I take the train. Every day. And every day I see the same thing. I see some lady, some illegal, and one of her children, God bless them, not their fault, carrying candy and soda and water and fruit. They stand out there by the Ford train on Fulton Street. And I said to myself, how do these people have the money to buy this stuff? And a friend of mine said, Sid, don't be so naive. They don't have the money. They steal it. Do you think that's the case, too? Some of it, but some of it is. There's a wholesaler out there who sees a good business opportunity. I front you $100 worth of goods. I get my 50 back. We split it 50-50 because they're overpricing all these items. These items are cheap. You know, the kids who are uh, ripping you off, raising money for their basketball team, and they're now growing beards, and they've already been in and out of jail twice. They're, like, on the on the sideline. Hey, kid, didn't I contribute to your basketball oh team, God. like, five years ago, six years ago? You know, that scam is over. So now they, uh, they bring the, you know, this is what the gypsies used to do. Oh, you can't call them gypsies. Roma no, you people. can't. The gypsies did the same thing. Right. They sit yeah. there with their baby. They look at you like, oh, fuck. We have turned our city into a third world country. And I blame your friend, Eric Adams. No, you can't blame him. Who invited no, them in. No, he's part of the blame. Yesterday he's going, we have a crisis with Vespers and motorbikes. <laughs> yes, we do, because you won't seize them. You won't take the bikes. You won't put them on the back of the police trucks and bring them to the local police. Wait, Go outside of the Roosevelt Hotel. Go outside. Arthur Wright Dallas said they're not there. Oh, right? yeah, Arthur Wright Dallas. But, but you, know, you do realize, of course, that while it's okay to place blame on Adams, I'm okay with that. 
He's not the ultimate culprit. That's Biden, right? I mean, he's letting the people into the of country. Course. Okay, all right. It's Biden, so it's sure. Hochul, and it's Adams. All three. But Adams is the face of New York City. <laughs> I, I understand. And every day he says something different. So we closed seven migrant centers. Closed. Closed. Well, I heard that, uh, and again, great job by Lou Gellarmino and Mark and you guys. You know I love you guys. Yes. I'm very proud of all of you guys. Uh, but I heard that Eric Adams said, ho, 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 Curtis, don't beat your chest just yet. Those folks are going back to St. John's Villa. <laughs> oh, I'm, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm telling you. This guy hasn't even been out there. He couldn't find Staten he Island with his GPS. Matter. He says the judge eventually is going to be able to put them back. No, no, no. It said, let me explain to you. Yeah. Fire marshals are police and fire department. They carry guns. Their word is the last word. I realize Eric Adams thinks he's pretentious, omnipotent, he knows everything, but it was his buildings commissioner who followed in the footsteps of your friend Eric Ulrich, this guy Jimmy Otto from Staten Island, who wouldn't know what to do with a bag of nails and a hammer, who went into these buildings and certified them as being livable. And the fire marshals went into these seven locations and said, are you kidding? These are fire traps. People are going to die. You can't house people here. So he's got a problem internally, Sid. And you know what he's done now? Because I'm going out to Long Island City later where they've been just uh, illegal alien dump, illegal alien dump all over the place. They've told the police, you better not have any conversations about migrants, no texts, no emails, or there'll be a hell of a price to pay. They actually said that. Not only said it, they ordered them because they know that Curtis Sliwa... As the rats out there who are feeding me information, and I'm coming out tonight to Floyd Bennett Field because your friend Joanne Ariola once again did a spin as a favor to Eric Adams because she's an Eric Adams Republican. And I'm meeting with the rebels. They're putting the tents up, which is going to mean eventually single, able-bodied young men of military age, some of them potential terrorists. And they're not coming into our country. We are going to make sure they're kept out of Floyd Bennett Field. Joanne Ariola, stop with your propaganda. Stop with your spin as an Eric Adams Republican. Get out of our way. We want a town hall meeting. Sid, I want you and me to sponsor a town hall meeting for Brooklyn and Queens. And let's get these officials up on the stage, including your friend, Eric Adams, and let him explain how we got to take care of the illegals first and forget Americans. Focus on our own borders first. There's an invasion going on, and some of them are terrorists. Is sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. In the beginning, there was the baby photo, and Naomi showed it to everyone. Then there was an internet radio show. Then there was Imus. Then came the book. Then came the other book. Then the TV appearances. Ready, camera one. Then the movie. And action. Then the other movie. And 
action. Then the big TV show. Right on set. Then the magazine photo shoot. Then, according to Nielsen, the number one news talk morning radio show in New York City. And now it's official. Sid Rosenberg is famous. I'm famous. to fly, but they ought to take one of these guys, Roger Waters, and put him right in the middle of the Gaza Strip right now. Just before you, he's not on this. This is after he left. They should take Roger Waters and put him <laughs> in the middle of the Gaza Strip right Okay, now. still do that, yes. Good job out of you, though. Pink Floyd, learning to fly sans Roger Waters. Oh, French. Uh, Justin just got a call from his aunt. You know, we're going to go to live to Israel twice this morning. Alex Trayman, who's done an unbelievable job for me and Noam the last two weeks, will join us in about eight minutes. And then I've got a buddy named Yuda Honigman, who became friendly with me and Danielle a couple years ago, often donates to the charity and actually sends some tennis equipment up to me and Danielle for Ava and her friend Pierre. And long story short, he lives in a little city, I forgot the name, right outside Jerusalem, and he's scared to death. He's a tough kid. He's going to join me coming up at 9.10. But, Justin, you received a phone call moments ago from Israel, didn't you? Uh, it was a Instagram direct message. Oh, Instagram. Okay. Uh, but just as good as a phone call with uh, as many exclamation points as she gave me. Uh-huh. And she uh, wanted to uh, thank you for setting the record straight on the uh, hospital bombing in Gaza. So, so your aunt is actually listening to us in Israel like Yuda is and Dove Hikins and a bunch of others right now. It would seem as if that is the case. Well, how else would she know? I didn't post anything like exactly. that. Exactly. Wow, right. that's cool. Where does she live? They live in Modi'in. And is that, where is that by Jerusalem, Tel Aviv? I don't uh, it's know. about, uh, I would say it's about an hour from Tel Aviv. And is that where you're supposed to go? Uh, for the wedding or something coming up? Uh, the wedding was, uh, I don't know, I have to get the exact details on where the actual wedding was supposed to be. Yeah. But we were going to fly into Tel Aviv and then probably drive right to Modine, right. spend the night there, and right. then come back and stay uh, stay in Tel Aviv. Well, please send your, uh, your aunt and your uncle my love, and thank you for that. Yeah, of course. Um, Kevin Breslin checks in. He said, Sib, uh, stop saying nice things about the mayor and the police commissioner. And, and No, I'm not, uh, Kevin. I love you to pieces. Kevin's a great guy. He's the son of Jimmy Breslin. He is uh, one of the Democrats that listens to this show, and I appreciate him for that. And, Kevin, I did go to Beach Bagel, Rockway Beach Bagel, on 129th Street last week, and when I walked in to see my friend Muhammad, you had already bought me breakfast, which was very, very nice. So thank you, Kevin Breslin. But, uh, no, if Adams does something I like, I'm going to say it. Tough. 
get over it. And uh, in that little bit there, you heard uh, Chris Libertini mention Naomi. And my mother, who's no baby, you know, she's almost 90, she's in the hospital. She's had um, some issues uh, the last couple of days. And um, it turns out that I guess... I guess her breathing hasn't been great. Now, she wasn't suffering from shortness of breath. She was dizzy, but she has vertigo. But it wasn't vertigo. Long story short, they've got her in this hospital for like two days, and they're going to run a test this morning on the oxygen level in her blood. I spoke to her last night. She sounded as good as ever. Didn't ask for a Biden assassination again, but sounded as good as ever. <laughs> That's coming probably <laughs> soon. <laughs> and uh, she's getting these tests done today, but I get a text from my sister, Ray Sherry. I was asleep. It was late last night. And it reads like this. Mommy's nurse tonight at Garnett Hospital, Trish Harris, is a huge fan of yours. She recognized Mommy's name from listening to your show. Please thank her for her for taking such wonderful care of mommy. So with that said, Trish Harris at Garnett Hospital, thank you very much for taking great care of my mom, who I love a lot, Naomi. All right, we'll, uh, we'll go live to Jerusalem, talk to Alex Trayman coming up next. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC. If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit-In Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. We have just released for the international media a video footage from a UAV, and we are going to release additional intelligence, basically a conversation that was intercepted between various terrorists where they themselves, unknowing of the fact that we were listening, uh, confirm that this was, that they understand that it was a rocket that misfired. And as the time goes by, what we've done, and it took us some time because we wanted to be sure of the information before we say anything, we went through our own systems and first confirmed that we did not fire at that location and that there was no hour misfire. Then we checked what it could have been. And we, we collected intelligence from various sources, from all of our systems. We listened to what the enemy was saying and we checked the fire control system and saw that indeed there was a barrage of rockets that was fired by the Islamic Jihad towards northern or central Israel. 
and at least one of them misfired, which is a common phenomena when it comes to their rockets. It misfired and then landed on the ground and exploded. I believe that gentleman's name is Jonathan Conriquez, an IDF spokesman on CNN, confirming that rocket that hit the hospital in Gaza was fired by Hamas and not the Israelis. But uh, the world will tell you differently. In fact, Hezbollah has called for a day of rage today. Just like they called Hamas, actually, it wasn't Hezbollah. Hamas on Friday, last Friday, called for a global jihad. Today, it is Hezbollah calling for a day of rage. For our eighth consecutive day, we go back to Jerusalem. Alex Trayman, who's done an amazing job for both me and Noam every morning, JNS.org, is standing by. Alex, good morning. I assume you guys are okay. Everybody's safe, right? Good morning. Yeah, we're, we're hanging firm. All right. Well, the big story today is this. You know, Biden arrived in Israel this morning, and there's a lot of conjecture as to what he's going to say. I think the fear is, is that the president and the Americans are going to do the same crap, basically tell you guys to restrain, hold back, blah, blah, blah. But but for what it's worth, Biden did say that from what he's learned and what he sees, he believes it was a Hamas rocket and not an Israeli rocket that hit that hospital. So it's really a two-pronged question. A, I'm sure you're very happy with what the president said, and B, despite what he said, what kind of day are you guys in store for? Well, we don't know what kind of day we're in store for over here. You know, Hamas, Hezbollah, jihadis around the world calling for a day of, of rage, but we haven't yet seen any indications of that yet so far. There could be more, but uh, perhaps... Uh, the the jihadis are are choosing not to further incite while the president of the United States is here. Uh, you know, a lot of indications, not only that it was, in fact, a Hamas rocket that hit the hospital, but that it actually didn't even hit the hospital, that it hit the parking lot uh, near the hospital, uh, that the hospital itself was not damaged, and that it wasn't a mass casualty event. So what you're seeing is that not only uh, was the Hamas missile, uh, the cause of uh, damage inside Gaza, which is becoming a regular occurrence. The IDF reporting that uh, over 450 rockets have misfired and landed in Gaza since the start of this outbreak. But that the entire scenario was a complete and total fabrication, a, a fraudulent narrative uh, meant to accuse Israel of uh, humanitarian disaster and war crimes. And, and not even one element of the story was true. So 500 are not dead. Are there any dead? What are the what are those numbers look like? We're not seeing any indications of a mass casualty event there at all. You know, it's it's uh, and you can't you can't get accurate numbers from Hamas. You know, within within minutes, we saw reports on CNN, New York Times, elsewhere that Israel struck a hospital that over 500 were dead. You know, think about how long it took Israel to figure out how many uh, of its civilians were dead. Uh, in the wake of Saturday's massacre and how long it took to get information about all of the hostages that are currently inside of the Gaza Strip. But within moments of an explosion, which was caused by a Hamas rocket, uh, immediately 
500 innocent civilians uh, were dead from a from a strike on a hospital that was actually a misfire that landed in the parking lot outside the hospital. Alex Trayman, JNS, uh, I believe what you just said, uh, not nearly the amount of number, if any, died. And this is the propaganda they use, the psychological warfare from that horrendous, and I mean horrendous, video we saw yesterday with 21-year-old Mia Shem, again, just two years older than my daughter Ava, uh, into this story today. They're going to start doing things like this all the time, and it does work because, for example, Biden is in Israel today, as you know, Alex, meeting with Netanyahu. Then he was going to meet in Jordan with some of those leaders, and they called the meeting off because they think Israel, which is backed by the United States, bombed innocent civilians in the hospital. So there are friends in the region, the Arab friends, that buy it. And that's exactly what Hamas wants. Well, I think that the uh, cancellation of the meeting in Jordan was actually a very positive sign, uh, an indication that the Jordanians and the Egyptians and Palestinian Authority Chairman Mahmoud Abbas understand that the primary objective of that meeting was actually going to be to, to drive open a humanitarian corridor uh, to the south of Gaza along the Rafah border with Egypt and to, to let uh, those that want to flood out of Gaza make their way south of the border. Uh, and that's not something that they are comfortable with. They don't they don't want to see one uh, Gazan land on their soil. They don't want any of them out of there. They're they're more than happy to to let them stay in uh, and and suffer whatever fate they may uh, during the Israeli airstrikes and, and potential ground incursion. Um, and and it's clear also that they understand that they cannot pressure the United States to make Israel uh, stop its attack. And, and while we've heard Biden's statements when he's been here and what he said about Israel, it's also really important to listen to Netanyahu's statements. Uh, and in particular, again, during this meeting with Biden this morning, he keeps saying that this is going to be a long and drawn out battle. And, and it is clear that. He keeps communicating to, to Biden that there is going to be a ground incursion. And, and the fact that uh, Biden is not uh, rebutting what Netanyahu is saying, and you haven't heard him one time say that this needs to, to end quickly. He hasn't said that yet. Uh, so I, I think it means that, that he, he is on board with the Israeli plan. Maybe. Um, I, I don't trust him, but maybe you're right. Either way, Netanyahu has a set of big ones. You know that. And he's telling Biden what he's going to do. And let me remind folks who may not know this. Netanyahu was on the phone with Putin yesterday, the day before, and he told him the same thing. He said, uh, hey, Vlad, baby, we ain't stopping till they're all dead. So clearly Netanyahu is not intimidated by anybody, whether it's the United States or Russia, because he's told now both Biden and Putin over the last couple of days, we're doing it and we ain't stopping basically with your blessings or not. You got to love that about him, though. You know, Netanyahu has been the prime minister of Israel now for 16 years. He's the longest-running prime minister in Israeli history, and he's not just the leader of Israel. He's a world leader. He has sat in countless meetings with multiple American presidents. Uh, he He's met Vladimir Putin in, in Moscow. He's met uh, Xi Jinping. You know, this is a, a world leader of, of top caliber, and he's not intimidated by these moments. He, he understands Israel's interest and he feels the burden of the state of Israel on his shoulders. Uh, and I, I honestly can't imagine how any other prime minister, prime ministerial candidate in Israel would be faring during these moments, because you have to imagine that the, the pressure 
right now is, is yeah. so immense. Yeah. But uh, Netanyahu, you know, he, for for better or for worse, he's he's the man of the moment, and and we we're all I think Israelis are all hoping that he he steps up to the task. I hope so. I mean, when this thing first happened, there was a lot of criticism, and deservedly so. Netanyahu, the Israeli defense folks, that they were able to pull this off, and. You know, they were still collecting bodies, and we were already counting how many days Netanyahu had left. And folks like you up saying, guys, 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 look, uh, the heads may roll. They may roll, but right now it's about, you know, retribution. Right now it's about annihilation. And I wonder if, in fact, Netanyahu can save the day. If, in fact, Israel does what we think they're going to do, can he save the day? Can Will Israelis come to his defense even though... We know what happened two weeks ago never should have happened. Whether they come to his defense in the aftermath of this really doesn't matter. Uh, what, what matters now is that, is that Israel takes care of business inside the Gaza Strip. But I think another component here is that we just don't know uh, whether or not the, the northern border will erupt. We don't know if this con topic will get much larger and potentially even include uh, attacks on Iranian nuclear infrastructure or how many fronts there might be or whether an intifada uh, starts to erupt inside Judea and Samaria or Jerusalem and other mixed cities here in Israel. And and if any of those scenarios come to pass, it's not going to be a question of who has the guts to order the strike. Israel's not going to have a choice. Uh, and, And if Israel's forced into into massive action the hope is that there will be a, a victory that could could rival the the stunning victory uh, uh in 1948 and in 1967 you know alex the question i get asked most the last couple of days is about the incursion i don't have any answers what the hell do i know you know i i, I keep telling everybody it's because of biden because i hate biden i admit that i'm transparent but i don't know maybe israel's collecting more information we know that if and when the Israelis go in, it's going to be brutal. They're going to suffer immense casualties, immense. There are booby traps everywhere. You know, I spoke to Aaron Cohen yesterday on the show, Alex. He's a special ops Israeli guy. I know you know who he is and hostage negotiator. And, you know, he's really confident that Israel's ready to go. And he mentioned all these groups and all these intelligence folks. But, you know, I, I, I just don't see any scenario where even in victory, the Israeli people don't suffer huge losses. So maybe that's why they haven't gone in yet. I don't know. Do you have a theory as to why these troops have been amassed now for a couple of days? I know they're practicing. They're practicing. Why aren't they going in? I think you're right. The, you know, the battle plans, specific battle plans, were needed to be drawn up. They needed to be distributed. One could definitely argue that those battle plans should have been built up uh, before this happened. But uh, they, they've been working intensively. Uh, not only on battle plans, but also on gathering intelligence, trying to figure out precisely who participated in Saturday's attack, uh, figuring out how to start geolocating them, in addition to all the other uh, senior leadership of Hamas that didn't, didn't actively cross the border on Saturday morning. They're trying to locate uh, the hostages where they are and, and figure out uh, how they could possibly get in and, and rescue as many as possible. So there are n- numerous reasons why uh, Israel has been cautious before uh, putting the foot you know, on the pedal. They want to make sure that when they do go in, that the number of casualties will be reduced to the absolute minimum, that the objectives will be met as efficiently as possible. But then, of course, with uh, the visit of, of Joe Biden, 
I think it was potentially wisely decided uh, to to just wait until the president leaves the region before embarking on the ground incursion. But the longer you wait, in terms of the hostages, and I'm still uh, horrified over Mia Shem, elderly people with no medicine. We talk about this every day. Elderly people with no medicine, babies with no formula. The longer you wait, whether they kill these folks or not, some of these folks are just going to die. So if 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 the the importance is on the hostages, the longer you wait, you may collect more intelligence, yes. But the longer you wait, the more people are going to die. So what it really says is, if we're going to be honest and have an honest conversation, while they would love to save every hostage's life, or 250, the impetus right now is not on that. It's on how can we get in there, take over, annihilate these people, and not lose thousands of servicemen. Is that a fair assumption? Correct. You have to make certain that Hamas is never able to take another uh, hostage again. That's because they, that's their objective. That's what they're trying to do. They, they've done it before. And, 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 and didn't you tell me a story? Uh, sorry to cut you off, but didn't you tell me a story that you had a friend who was a, a, an IDF soldier, and he told you that when an Israeli army person witnesses a bad guy taking a hostage – that if they can't kill the bad guy, then they have to kill the hostage, because if you don't, now you've given the enemy leverage. Didn't you tell me that? Uh, that's correct. Uh, and, and not only that, but, uh, you know, you, you start to hear uh, some of the stories that are coming out from all of the funerals that are taking place. We have over a 1,000 funerals this week alone uh, of dead Israelis, and, and you hear fathers putting their, their daughters and sons into the ground saying, uh, you know, thank God that you were killed and that you weren't taken hostage because taking hostage is just a much worse fate than have being instantaneously killed during during a terror attack. Um, so, yes, uh, you know, it's it's a horrific, horrific situation, and it goes to, to demonstrate the barbarism of, of Hamas. And as Netanyahu said, you know, this is, a, this is a war between civilization and barbarism, and it's up to the people of the world to decide what side of this conflict they want to be on. Last one, in terms of the rockets being fired, the bombings, uh, you know, they've, they've hit just about every region, north, south, central Israel. Any new activity today? Because right now where you are, it's about uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, there's been nonstop rockets. Uh, the rockets that were fired late last night, they were long-range missiles. They were intended to make it all the way to Haifa, which is all the way towards the north of the country. So they were the longest-range rockets that Hamas had tried firing to date um, in this conflict. Fortunately, none of them reached their targets. Uh, and, and one, of course, uh, is one of the 450 that, that have misfired. And, and the reports are that even in the last days, the number of misfires uh, it continues to rise. I, I saw that uh, over 12 percent of the missiles that were fired just yesterday misfired. Uh, but Yes, Israeli population centers, particularly in the Gaza envelope and the city of Ashkelon, which is just uh, maybe 10 miles north of the Gaza border, have come under continuous attack, and uh, residents continue to have to run into bomb shelters. Alex, once again, uh, tremendous work, and uh, I end it the same way every day. Just be safe. I mean, that's my main concern is that you and, and all you folks in Israel uh, are safe. And, um, look, if we can do it again tomorrow and you're up for it, 
We'll do it again. You've had eight Emmy Award winning performances on this show, Alex. So uh, let's do it again tomorrow. Be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, pal? Thanks so much, Sid. You're welcome. Alex Trayman, JNS.org, live in Jerusalem. I don't know why Noam found this guy, but John and Chad, if you're listening, Noam has come up huge. I can't tell you how many people every day, every day, not just Tom Sullivan, tell me, man, I make sure I'm in the car when Trayman is on. So that's a great job, Noam. Thank you very much. Where'd you find this? How'd you know about this guy? I'd heard of him before, and then... uh Curtis's sister, oh Maria, is a PR person. Yes, for him. she's great. Yeah. She's got guests every day. Oh, so she uh, was the one too. Yeah, yeah. She she's the one who's uh, she's been great. She's All been right. great. connecting me with lots of great people in Israel. She good people. All yeah. right, we, that uh, wraps up hour number two. You'll hear Noam's voice again momentarily with the news. Big hour coming up, including Peter King. Hour three is next. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. My favorite bands ever, Depeche Mode. Peter King is going to join me at 840. His son, Sean, also loves this band. This is Policy of Truth, and I believe it was on the Violator album, same album that had Enjoy the Silence and Your Own Personal Jesus. Make this loud, a Policy of Truth, which is what we do here at WABC, Depeche Mode. about it my dear friend the great john katsimatidis stands for truth justice the american one he should start his show with this song every day policy of truth depeche mode it's a kick-ass song anyway i can see the judge dancing to this can't you craig eaton doing the worm to this song ed uh, don't call me big cox <laughs> i can see it can you Policy of Truth. John, you got to take this song. Margo, I know you're listening, sweetheart. you got to use this song at the top of every 
Katz and Cosby Show, Policy of Truth. Because that's what John wanted when he came here. Just tell the truth. And um, we're number one. So John know what he's talking about. You know what I'm saying? That's a smart man right there, Johnny. So I have two diners that are my favorite diners in New York. One more than the other. My favorite diner is the Oasis Diner on Flappish Avenue. My dear friend George Liberatos and his father Pete and tons of you listening right now frequent that diner and love that diner. Not far from uh, King's Plaza, Lewis, and uh, very close to the Floridian Diner, which is horrible. I don't care how many owners they've got, it just it doesn't work. But Oasis is great. George is uh, one of my favorite people. But when I don't go all the way to Brooklyn, a lot of times we'll go to Howard Beach. And we love the Cross Bay Diner, not the Esquire Diner. That's a dump. The Cross Bay Diner. So we were there, and um, I walk in, and this handsome gentleman, older guy, walks up to me, and he puts his hand out, which happens to me all the time. Not to sound douchey, but it does. I put this hand out, and I always appreciate it. I appreciate it. And he said, I love the show. Oh, hey, thank you. What's your name? My name is Sam. Well, nice to meet you, Sam. No, no, we met before. We met one other time before. Great, okay. So we're sitting there eating our lunch, just in case you're interested. Danielle went with uh, chicken and avocado. Gaby went with a a grilled cheese, and I was having a Greek salad, just in case you're interested. And the gentleman gets up. He's sitting next to us, and he goes to the bathroom. And he comes back from the bathroom, and he walks over to my table, and he hands Danielle a check. So what I got? And I'm not going to tell you how much it's for. It doesn't matter. But it was a check for dyspraxia. And he said, listen, like my friend Keith Kantowitz gave me a check. But he had no idea how to spell the foundation. He goes, this is for you, Gabriel, and your foundation, blah, blah, blah. I don't know how to write it, whatever it is. You just write it. But this is for you. And I thought that was such a beautiful gesture, just having lunch on an average afternoon in Howard Beach. So thank you to Samuel Rosenfeld for doing that. We raised a, uh, quite a bit of money, but this this was really, really sweet. That's a good diner, too. It's a great diner. You go there with MJ? Is it Cross, cross Bay? Is yes. It? Yeah. Yeah. There's Best. Not, not many really good diners. No, there's not. Like I said, you got Oasis. You got um, Cross Bay. But that's the only two we go to. That's, that's it. it. See, I do a lot of stuff in Howard Beach now. I tan in Howard Beach. And then right across the street from the tanning salon happens to be New Park Pizza. Cool. Oh, that's where you are, yes. And Gabriel loves New Park Pizza. Great pizza. That may be the best pizzeria in all of New York, right? I mean, I know people um, get carried away with the city and whatever. I don't know. Don't L&B's start. got great pizzas. Spumoni Gardens, I get that. But don't start it. It's going to start. No, I don't know. Yeah. Right. What's Sid. the best pizzeria tell in your town? Well, I got Dominic's and Teaneck, and let me tell you. This is what they do. New Park is great pizza. It's fine. If you like, what do you mean? It's fine. I said it's fine. It's good pizza. Everybody thinks their pizza is the best. Well, Sorrentino makes good pizza too. I like John and Joe. This, Ciro's. Where do you go? I'm just curious. There is a place near me, Elegante. Horrible. It's not horrible. It's good. Horrible. When, when did you ever have it? I had it about three weeks ago, and the cr- and the, the crust wasn't even hard. You're lying. It was like you have to drink it on a Saturday night. Oh. You're lying. You sound like Hamas. Shut up. <laughs> no, I've never been there. Is there any good to anything? <laughs> wow. Hold me up. I'm in shock. <laughs> you gave an opinion without being there. So then uh, I go for another uh, dinner. Prop. And I'm sitting there having dinner. 
And the guy, uh, well, I walked into the restaurant, and the guy walked over to me right away. His name is Ronnie D. And Ronnie told me not to say his last name on the radio, so I'm not going to. And he's from always on Park, so you know why. And uh, he's, the waiter walks over and goes, uh, Ronnie over there wants to buy you coffee and dessert. And I said, great. Now, mind you, I met Ronnie literally 20 minutes before, but uh, the waiter walked over like I, I went to camp with Ronnie, you know. Like I've known him for 30 years. Ronnie walked over, and he put his hands on my shoulders and leaned over and whispered in my ear like Joe Biden and gold in my ear, and he bought me dessert and coffee. So thank you, Ronnie D. This one's for you. <laughs> you know what to do with it. <laughs> you know, even now, he's in Israel, right? He's doing the right thing. Come on. He's doing the right thing. And Netanyahu is saying all the right things, how nice it is to have the American president here supporting us. And I believe in his heart of hearts he feels that way. And Biden is doing the right thing. And I haven't heard him say anything stupid today. Not yet, at least. And, um, but when he talks, I just, I hate the guy. I, 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 and I know hate's a strong word. I know it is. But I actually hate Joe Biden. I hate him. Even when he's doing something right, I hate him. It doesn't matter. He, he is embarrassing. He sounds, he, if he lived on your street, the, Across the street, you would think, oh, that's there's the old guy. The creepy that, old guy like oh, creepy. Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino, he's, you know. He's not going to do anything. Let's go over to his lawn and take all his rocks and put them on. <laughs> so what's he going to do? Yeah. Hey, you know, hey, you know, that wasn't a good thing to do. Right. You know, it wasn't. But that's how he talks. He doesn't He doesn't talk. Right. It's like, yeah, no play to cut. And he doesn't have any of No, what is this cut Nothing. that Lewis is referring to where? He doesn't want to talk this up. Uh, let's see. Well, was, uh, and he was partially probably in a hall or wherever, but he still, you can't Here we tell. go. Here, you, this is him this morning at the press conference. Okay. I wanted to oh be here today, uh, <laughs> for a simple reason. I want people of Israel. All right, thank you for that. So let's, let's uh, juxtaposition. <laughs> let's juxtaposition this, um, this vegetable, who's our president, compared to the guy who was the president before him, who was uh, talking uh, about Israel just a couple of days ago in Iowa. This will be cut number two. Juxtaposition, what you just heard, our current president, who squints his eyes and grits his teeth and acts tough, but literally looks like he's going to fall over any second to this guy. Making America great again must begin with making America strong and making America safe again. We have to make it safe. It's not safe. Our country is in such trouble. Under my leadership, the world's thugs and villains and killers and savages were in retreat and running scared. They were running scared, <laughs> all because you had a president who stood up for America. We took a lot of heat for doing it, too, remember? We took a lot of heat, but we stood up to everybody, and we stood up for Israel, and we stood up for Judeo-Christian civilization and values. Hard to believe you take heat for that, right? Used to be that was a wonderful thing. Today you take heat. The best. The best. Yeah, it's pretty close. It's close, right? Oh, you know what sounds great pizza is uh, Tommy. Oh, Tommy Leonard. No, I have to mention him. And uh, Il Cortile. They've got great pizza. Uh, you go to Little Italy. Yeah, you're in Little Italy. Great. Well, there's a lot of places in Little Italy that suck the big one. I mean, they suck. I'm just telling you. Yeah. It's a, like a tourist uh, trap, you know. You yeah. go there because you expect to see some mob guy get rubbed out. And while you're there, you'll have a veal parmesan. But the food is horrible. 
but not at the Il Cortillo. That is a great restaurant. Look great. The, look at the blood out there. This right. is real. You, you only hope to God something like that happens. You know. <laughs> this is great veal, though. Oh my God, this is great. Sid was right. Isn't that where Gotti got shot? Gotti never got shot. No, no, yeah, no, but. <laughs> That's <laughs> <laughs> what the tourists are going in and asking yeah, the restaurant. Right. Did, who got shot in here? Who got killed here? And I need uh, the appetizer menu. A yeah. lot more to do. Peter King is going to join us. We spoke to his buddy Anthony D'Esposito in the 6 o'clock hour. I mean, I browbeat the poor kid, but I thought he handled himself very, very well. And he was one of the four New York Republicans and one of the 20 Republicans overall that voted down Jim Jordan. The good news is him, Garbarino, and Lita will sit down with Jim this morning. And hopefully they all come to their senses, stop making it about themselves, and vote Jordan in. We need them. So we'll talk to Peter King coming up at 840. Then we go back to Israel. Friend of me and Danielle, Judah Honigman. He's in a little city just outside of Jerusalem, and he's scared to death. And he's going to call us live coming up at 910. And then the psychological warfare, what it's doing to the Israelis and folks back here in America. And it's bad. We'll talk to my friend, Dr. Mark Siegel, about that. Lots more to do, folks. Policy of Truth. Sid Rosenberg on ABC. Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. To dance, him and Lewis, they love themselves a little Abba, sort of why great song, Dancing Queen. And yes, you can be a heterosexual and still like this song. People should have heard the argument I heard oh. just before. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lou, I, I can't tell you anything these days. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I did not say anything. So right now, outside the U.S. Embassy in Lebanon, there is a huge, huge 
pro-Palestinian rally. It's in Beirut. Right now in Beirut, Lebanon, it's 3.35 p.m. in the afternoon. And uh, you know what's uh, scary about that? Is you expect to see things like this in Lebanon. But Lebanon right now looks like Times Square on Friday. And I'm not okay with that, are you? Or Washington Square Park last night. I'm not okay with that, are you? But Lebanon right now, they are having a huge protest outside the U.S. Embassy. Again, if you missed earlier this morning, there was a bomb threat in France. They shut the airport. And there was a a bomb placed uh, in Germany. forgot exactly where it was. So there is violence and rallies and protests all over the world. So as I said earlier, I, I, I wish that my sister Olana, who I love dearly, and other folks, listen to this show because, you know, they're watching Joe and Mika, they're reading the New York Times, and they remain ignorant. The world is on fire, and none of this, I mean none of it, happened under Trump. That's not my opinion. That's a fact. Israel is moving towards the Abraham, they got the Abraham Accords, moving towards even peace with Saudi Arabia. Nobody died in Afghanistan, let alone 13 soldiers. Before Donald Trump, there was Barack Obama. Bang, Russia in Crimea. After Donald Trump... Bang! There's Biden, Russia in Kuwait. Four years of Trump, Russia did nothing. So you're going to sit there as a learned man and tell me he got lucky? Well, how stupid are you? Oh, you think Trump scares Hamas? I guess. I guess. Nothing happened in those four years. And he left, and this idiot took over, and the world is on fire. You know, today's Wednesday, so we're five days away. Monday is the 40-year. I can't believe it's 40 years, Noam. Monday is the 40-year anniversary, or commemoration, I don't don't like that word in a negative context, of the Beirut bombings in Lebanon. When you may remember, uh, Hezbollah bombed the barracks, killed over 300 people, the majority of those U.S. servicemen, about 250. The other 50 were French servicemen. And you want to hear something wild, guys? Iran backed this, Hezbollah, Iran, did this bombing because the U.S. and the French were backing Iraq 40 years ago. And I don't know if you remember, it was during Reagan's stay. It was a brutal event. I mean, brutal. We were horrified in this country horrified, and deservedly so. 250 of our servicemen were killed. But when you look at the numbers, what's happening in Israel the last couple of days, it paled in comparison. Again, I don't want to compare numbers because dead is dead and it's all tragic, but it does pale in comparison. But do you believe, Noam, 40 years on Monday since the Beirut bombing? That's an indelible mark in my brain because I was in Nahariya, which is a Le- uh, an Israeli border town near Lebanon, on that day. No kidding. No, I, I kid you Why not. were you there? What were you doing We there? were, you know, my family, I have so many connections. I have so much family there. We were visiting family. And I remember the ambulances nonstop coming out of Lebanon to hospitals in Israel, not knowing exactly what was going on. Of course, later in the day, you know, no Internet then. So you just had to sort of find out by either listening to the radio, turning on the TV, and then finding out exactly what had happened and being horrified. Mm. It was terrible. 
So uh, there it is, protests outside the U.S. Embassy in Lebanon. There are protests and rallies all over the world, uh, some dangerous spots in France and Germany. The rockets, we spoke to Alex Treyman about an hour ago, they are still coming into Israel by the dozens every day. Every day, they have not relented. There is now unrest in the West Bank. I am looking at video right now on Fox News of fires being set and violence in the streets. World's on fire, folks. The world's on fire, but you keep voting Democrat because they're either unlucky or this is somehow Trump's fault. He hasn't served, of course, in years, but he must have done something, and they waited. They waited all these years to show Trump, we're not scared of you. Next month, the city council elections get these Democrats out. They are rooting our city, defunding police, more criminals in the streets, starting with Justin Brannon in Bay Ridge, who's part of a band with an album cover that pictures Mother Teresa as the mother of annihilation. And that's the guy you're voting for. That's the guy. Right? But we're the crazy ones. It's us. We're, we're, we're the bad ones. Both parties. Both parties. Republicans are crazy. No, we're not. Well, Matt Gates may be, but no, we're not. We are the party of tolerance. We are. Not you. We are. Go out and vote. Talk Radio 77. WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. You know, I was reminded by somebody that Biden actually did say something stupid today. Well, of course he did. You may remember earlier in the program, I told you guys, and you even kind of chuckled, that Biden, here's the good news, Biden believes that it was Hamas, not Israel, that sent that rocket into the hospital. Not uh, purposely, they just have crappy equipment. So that's the good news. Biden uh, stood with Israel on that. But how he said it was something to the extent of it seems pretty clear that that rocket came from the other team. And I'm not sure that's exactly the way I would word that, as if there are two teams at play here, Israel and Hamas. The president's quote was, that rocket came from the other team. So that was stupid. (laughs) Anyway, my next guest spent the better part of four decades as one of the great politicians in New York history, Congressman. I always say the two best politicians in my lifetime, Rudy Giuliani and Pete King. Great job with Homeland Security and just uh, just a really good person. He's a rhino, according to a lot of my listeners, whatever that means, nonsense. But here he is, my dear friend, uh, Pete King. Peter, good morning. How are you? Sid, great to be with you. Let me just say, one of the best things about being on Wednesday is uh, following Frank Stiller. What a great patriot he is. It's just a... a Great American, great New Yorker. He is, and and uh, and look what you did all these years. You know, Riley was telling me that he, him and his daughter actually went to see John Stewart last Friday night at Westbury Music Theater. And uh, I don't have a lot of use for John Stewart. I just don't. 
He seems like a nice enough guy, but I, I hate his politics, and he's just okay funny. But uh, he did a great job with you when talking about Frank Siller and 9-11. That money keeps coming in to these victims. Is is like a 100 years now, Peter, something like that? Yeah, we've, we've worked that out because it turns out when we first uh, came up with the bill, and it took a lot of fighting to get it through, we got the best estimates as to what the, you know, the ultimate health care cost would be. We had no idea that so many people 10, 15 years, 20 years after 9-11 would be coming down with 9-11-related illnesses, mainly blood cancers and other uh, illnesses like that. So yeah, the cost can be catastrophic. So that's why we now have a guarantee. I think it's 99 or 100 years out. Yeah. Wow. And 9-11 remains a topic of conversation on the floor today. I, I'm not sure if you heard this, but uh, your guy, your mentor, Anthony D'Esposito, who I like a lot, not a little, Pete, a lot, but I beat him up pretty good this morning because whether it's him or Nancy Mace or Matt Gates, all of them need to stop. Just vote in Jordan. Stop the nonsense. Well, listen, Long Islanders, uh, the salt tax and blah, 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 9-11. And, and I get all that. I'm not saying that stuff's not important. What I'm saying is right now it's more important to have some stability and get a good American politician like Jim Jordan in that seat we cannot afford to go another day without a Speaker of the House because the longer we do, the closer we get to a guy like Hakeem Jeffries becoming that guy, and I don't want that. So I beat up Anthony a little bit this morning, but but he was poised. He made some good points. Your three guys on Long Island who all voted down, Jordan, Garbarino, Lolita, and Anthony, are set to meet with Jim Jordan again this morning, and I do believe they'll vote yes coming up at noon. What about you? I support what Anthony is doing 100%. And I'm not his mentor. He's a friend. Uh, I've known him for many years. He's doing a great job. Anthony takes advice from a lot of people, but he's his own man in the end. No, I think he's doing exactly the right thing. I don't think we can pass it over that quickly. I mean, Jim Jordan has voted against 9-11 aid. And now we're, when we're worried about terrorists coming in and we're talking about uh, how important it is for the police and the firefighters to have everything they need. It's important that they get an understanding from Jim Jordan that when there's any future votes involving 9-11 or anything else related to supporting the police and firefighters here in New York, that he's going to be with us. Otherwise, it could be another catastrophe coming down. Also, he has a pattern of voting against New York. He strongly opposed aid to, San- to Sandy, aid to New York. So listen, I think it's important for them at this time, if it takes an extra day or two, to get those. And, you know, this isn't petty uh, your parochial politics. This involves the future of Long Island, the future of New York, and in many, you know, many ways the future of America. Also, I think they want some guarantees uh, that he's not going to allow the Matt Gates of the world to be you know, uh, the determinants when it comes to which way we're going to go on different okay. policies. No. But other than that, and listen, Gisbizito, uh, Garbarino, Lolota, I know them well. Uh, coming from New York and Long Island, you don't let personalities get in the way. You know, we're used to dealing with people you don't like. I deal with you all the time. You deal with me. <laughs> no, we don't like each other. No, but seriously, I mean, that, you know, those guys, it's not personalities. Believe me, it's not pettiness. They really want to take advantage of this moment to protect New York as we go forward. All right, so if you were in that chamber yesterday, you would have voted like your Long Island buddies did no. You would have voted no. I would have voted no, yeah. Okay, so let me, let me get to this. Because you make excellent points, and so did Anthony. But you do realize that the country has no appetite for this. We don't care. We don't care. I actually uh, decided not to bring Nancy Mace back on because I'm tired of talking about this. And you also realize, Pete, that while the Democrats are destroying this country, and only a Democrat would deny that, while they are destroying this country, at least they do it together. The Republicans look like a bunch of arguing fools. They do. 
There's no connection. They fight over everything. So don't you think for the good of the party and for the good of the country, all people want to see on the news right now is destroy Hamas, not a bunch of children yelling and screaming in Washington, D.C. You know that's a perception, right? It's a perception. I mean, it's the wrong perception. I think it's important, uh, certainly for us living in New York, I went through 9-11, that we know we, uh, that we will be protected going forward. That's, that's not petty. That's not something that's a, a minor league. That's, that's a serious, serious issue for our life and survival. So uh, I, I, I understand what they're doing. I can assure you there's nothing personal or petty about this. They feel very strongly about it. Listen, I saw how tough it was to get the 9-11 aid through in the first place. But uh, the family compensation and to the health care, we had to fight tooth and nail. On the Sandy aid, if they gave 50, 60, $70 billion uh, to every other hurricane that ever came along, and they were giving almost nothing to New York. So these are important issues to get resolved. If it takes an extra day or two, it should be done. You know, people may think it's petty, but then if something comes along in the future and suddenly we're not getting the you know, 9-11 type aid we need, is how come these guys voted them in in the first place? So I think it's important that they get those insurances. Okay. Listen, they, they stood with McCarthy and they, uh, you know, they stood with Scalise. And uh, so I think they feel it's important to get these guarantees. Like Steve Scalise was a phenomenal help when it came to 9-11. And again, you talk about John Stewart. John Stewart's a real left-wing guy. But Scalise sat down with him. He sat down with the two of us, and he was able to form those type alliances while still being a very strong conservative. You know, i got to give you credit here, Peter. The, uh, the last two weeks since these horrific attacks on Israel, just about every New Yorker I speak to, even some Democrats, are ready, willing, and able to admit that they believe we're next. There's way too many people that have crossed this border illegally. And I'm not even talking about the 100,000 we know about. I'm talking about the gotaways, the sneak-ins, whatever moniker you give them. There's a lot of folks here. And if you don't think a percentage of those folks want to kill us, you're stupid, okay? But i got to give you credit because months ago, before all this, there was some meeting, I guess, in Congress, and you went down to D.C., and everybody was talking about Ukraine, Russia, and the very real possibility of China, Taiwan, and what's going on in Africa. All, all horrible stuff, mind you. 600,000 Ukrainians have died. But you said, well, hold on a second, folks. 9-11. I know we're 22 years removed, but it ain't over. There are people today, today, looking for the next big hit. And now, after this Israel attack, most New Yorkers feel like it's imminent. Not a matter of if. But when, and you talked about this months ago, so credit to you. Yes, even before we had this massive amount of migrants coming in, illegal immigrants coming into the country, and there's no doubt, I mean, there's people on the terror watch list that we know about, there's others, there's no doubt there's more coming in. But even before that, forgetting all the illegal migrants, we know that Hezbollah has operatives here in this country. We know that Hamas has supporters here in the country. And that uh, we we are very vulnerable unless we constantly stay on top of it. That's why... Always talk about cutting back on the police, cutting back on the counterterrorism units. It's essential we have them, and it's more, much more important now with the open borders we have. I mean, uh, it's uh, it, we are the number one terrorist target in the world, and we have to be a hundred percent right all the time. I mean, when Ray Kelly he set up the most comprehensive counterterrorism force. In the, in the country. It was basically as good as the CIA and the FBI combined. What he did, that was kept in place by Bill Bratton. We have to make sure that we, and then after the whole George Floyd thing, and you saw you know, police funding being cut back, 
that necessarily has to weaken our counterterrorism forces. Now, having said that, the NYPD is great. Deputy Commissioner Wiener, Ray Kelly brought her in originally. She's going to do an outstanding job, but we cannot let our guard down. And that's all the more reason why we have to secure the border. We have to stop it. And all this talk about, you know, one way to uh, make the situation better is to get work visas for the people who come in here illegally. That's just an enticement for more to come in and to you know, find good housing for them and to uh, speed up the process. It, that, that, to me, is madness. We have to seal that border. We have to do all we can to stop more illegal migrants from coming into this country. And we have to realize the terror threat is there. And all the years that were spent suing the NYPD, uh, talking about the CIA torturing people, all of this stuff is madness. We have to have a firm uh, force all the time. Remember, you know, you and I can talk. We can go to King Umberto's. We can go to Godzilla's. <laughs> but the fact is that Hamas and ISIS and Al-Qaeda, Hezbollah, they spend 24-7 trying to find ways to attack New York, constantly probing, constantly looking. And now seeing what happened in Israel was the great intelligence forces, how they were overcome and overwhelmed by it. We cannot let our guard down. We have to stay on offense, and that includes doing whatever we can to crush Hamas. And, you know, I said this yesterday. I don't want to sound like I'm heartless, but we can't allow the hostages to become the center of this debate. Listen, if it was my children, my grandchildren, I'd say do whatever you have to do, get them back, pay billions of dollars in ransom, all of that. That's the way you feel when it's your family. But if you're the head of the country, whether it's Israel or the United States, you have to put the country first. Well, he is. And, and we can't allow – no, I, 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 I'm saying we cannot allow in no. the media no. for the hostages to be the center. They can drag this out forever. They're going to release, let's say, right. uh, they're not going to release five. Well, that's why they did it. Uh, I mean, Hamas yeah. took these hostages because they Absolutely. knew it would give them leverage, and idiots like Biden and these other folks would, would slow down the process. But I can assure you that while I care about every one of these hostages – that they are not the number one concern. The number one concern, unfortunately, and you're right, if it was Abe or Gabe, but look, I'm good friends with Charlie Satloff. And uh, I don't know if you remember, there was a guy named Jahadi John who made two videos. He killed an American journalist first, and the second American journalist he beheaded on video was Stephen Satloff, a beautiful Jewish boy from Florida. And um, I talked to his mother, Shirley, all the time, and she, she uh, spoke to Barack Obama. He was president, and... Her and her husband wanted to give Barack Obama a million dollars. Whatever they wanted, we want it done. And Barack said, we don't negotiate with terrorists. Now, he's a liar because, you know, both Durrell was able to walk over at a base for, for five terrorists. But, but the truth is, is that Israel won't do it. And unfortunately, these people, and I got news for you, plenty of innocent Palestinians. They're innocent people. It's a shame. They're going to die. And if it happens, that's war. Sorry. Yes, and you're know, same with that hospital. First of all, I, I do believe Israel. I do believe with Hamas. But if Israel did do it, it's by accident. Those things happen in war. There's a difference between intentionally they going in it. and they heading babies. No, but I'm just saying, if, if, say, two weeks from now, some hospital is hit or whatever. The fact is, those things happen in war. Israel is not intentionally targeting civilians. No, no. But now, listen, I mean, you know, nobody cared how many we killed in Germany or Japan in World War II. And nobody, the day after Pearl Harbor, said, let's call a ceasefire. And, you know, let's negotiate this. There, there is no negotiation with Hamas. There is no negotiation with any of them over there. ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Al-Shabaab, you go to the whole list of every one of them, uh, committed Islamists who want to kill us and kill Israel and destroy democracy. I agree. And uh, all this has taken place since Joe Biden became president. So let me play a clip for you, Pete. You're going to love this because you were on record on this show, you, Bo, and others, we love Trump's policies, but I can't vote for him. So 
Like a guy like Ron DeSantis. Uh, I like that guy. Okay. Well, Ron DeSantis ended up on Bill Maher's terrific show on HBO just last week. And it sounded, Peter, something like this. Okay, why run against Trump? You're trying to thread this needle that will never happen. Well, for a couple of reasons. You can't can't disavow him because that's the base, and yet you're running against him. And that's why, I mean, let's face it, Ron. If this if campaign was going well, you wouldn't be on this show. Now, that's actually really funny from Bill Maher, Ron. If the campaign was going fine, you wouldn't be on this show. But it's also true. So are you at the point yet where you have figured out that no one can beat Trump, maybe not even the Democrat nominee, let alone DeSantis, one of these Republican nominees, with the world on fire and basically outside the Chinese COVID, four years of peace under Trump? Are you ready to go back? No, I'm not convinced. Oh, he's Peter, the son of I'm, not, I'm not convinced he is. Oh. And again, it's uh, he gets so involved personally with things. Listen, he had an excellent record as president. I supported him almost all the time. And by the way, those people who call me a rhino. If they looked at your record, they probably say you are more of a rhino than I. Am. I agree. And I and by the way, I point out all the time. I'm I'm very liberal when it comes to social. So yes, I guess I am a rhino. So what? What do I care? I agree. That's what I'm saying. It's ridiculous. No, I, I just think that, again, right now there's no doubt he's 40, 50 points ahead. If he's a nominee, I'll certainly support him. But I'm, I'm not convinced he's our strongest candidate. And I think that's one of the things that has hurt Jim Jordan a lot. There are several people in Congress, not a lot, but enough Republicans who feel that with Donald Trump getting so actively involved, that's going to hurt them in, in their districts when it comes to re-election next year. So that, that's all factored in there. I did think about that yesterday, that uh, Trump enthusiastically endorsed Jordan. He did it again yesterday here in New York outside his uh, civil trial. You know, he's back here. And I thought about that, that maybe that's why Jordan didn't get the votes, because of Republicans who don't like Trump. Either way, you're, uh, you're spectacular. This was a great conversation. And uh, thank you, as always. Wednesdays are Peter King Wednesdays. You never disappoint. Thank you, Pete. And so just final word along those lines. If I ever run for office again, don't endorse me, okay? Don't you worry. I won't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I love you. You'd be my first choice. Any office in this country, Pete King. I'd endorse the hell out of you. All right. That wraps up hour number three. We got a big hour. Still to come, the psychological effects of war. In Israel and even back here in the United States, it's real, folks. It is real. We'll talk to my friend from Fox News, Dr. Mark Siegel. But coming up next, we go back live to Israel. This is a friend of me and Danielle's. His name is Yuda Honigman. He's living just outside Jerusalem. And he's got stories of what real people are experiencing every day. He's there right now as we speak. We'll talk to Yuda coming up next on Sid and Friends in the morning. Sitting friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Can't see nothing in front of me. Can't see nothing coming up behind. Make my way through this darkness. 
Can't feel nothing but this chain that binds me Lost track of how far I've gone How far I've gone How high I've climbed On the backs of 60 pound stone On the shoulder half mile of line Come on up for the horizon Come on up and lay your hands in mine Come on up for the horizon Come on up for the horizon Bruce Springsteen, the rising inspired by the tragic events of 9-11. But I hear this song, I think of the Israelis. The rising, rising up as a community, as a people, as a proud heritage. And they're going to get the win here. My wife, she's not just gorgeous, but she's smart. She sends me a text. She goes, Biden and WFAN both talking about teams. <laughs> what she means by that, that's a great text. Is, uh, Joe Biden did say earlier today that he believes the bomb, the rocket that hit the Hospital in Gaza was, quote-unquote, sent by the other team. Team is what he said. That's a pretty good text right there, Daniel. All right, listen. um, We're going back live to Israel. We were there earlier this morning with Alex Trayman, who comes on every morning uh, from Jerusalem with uh, the JNS. And he's done a tremendous job. But this is a a personal friend of ours and has been for years and is a very, very uh, nice person. I I have to say that about uh, Yudah. Years ago, he's uh, from a company called Slinger. It's his company. And my daughter, Ava, was a great tennis player, played tennis for many, many years. That was her sport. Then she moved on from a, she went to a different sport. She went to Starbucks. But uh, she's got a buddy named Pierre who's also a great tennis player. And uh, years ago, Yehuda actually sent Pierre one of those machines, you know, that spits out the ball. You get to hit it back. And that helped Pierre get a scholarship eventually to Nazareth College in upstate New York. He's just a great guy. And um, unfortunately for him, or fortunately, look, Dove Hiking just flew there a couple of days ago during all this. He's there right now in a little city or town just outside of Jerusalem. So let's get to him. Here's our friend Yuda Honickman. Yuda, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sid. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, first of all, uh, I, I know you're fine because uh, I, I did speak to you yesterday and Danielle. Tell me the exact name of the city or town you're in just outside Jerusalem. Yeah, I live in a small town just outside of Jerusalem called Tekoa. There's about 4,000 people that live here, and we are completely surrounded on all sides by Palestinians. Completely surrounded by Palestinians. So then give me what your day looks like. So, for example, today Hamas, who clearly did it themselves because their equipment is faulty, they basically make their rockets in a basement, you know, Clearly they did this, uh, but they're blaming the Israelis, and now you've got the Iranians and Hezbollah. Hezbollah calling for a day of uh, of rage, just like Hamas called last Friday for a day of global jihad. So today is a day of rage. What does that mean for you folks in Israel surrounded by Palestinians? So thank God today uh, I didn't see any rage. I was actually out on the roads. Uh, this morning I woke up, put on a bulletproof vest, got in my car, had to drive down to the gun range. Oh, 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 hold on a second. You, you woke up You woke up and put on a bulletproof vest. And I imagine you went out and bought that yourself. I can't imagine the Israeli government is supplying citizens with those. You actually went and purchased a bulletproof vest. How long ago was that? 
so I'm actually in the, in the process of doing a big fundraiser for my community. We've, we've raised about $180,000 so far. Sid, you were gracious enough to donate as well, you and Danielle. Um, and, and we're raising money for our security team out here to buy all the equipment and gear that we need in order to keep our community safe. Um, so when I knew I had to get on the roads today and drive and Hezbollah, as you said, called for a day of rage, I quickly went down and borrowed one of the bulletproof vests just to make my drive uh, nice. a little bit less anxiety-filled. How far did you have to go? Uh, about 20 minutes. I had to drive one road through a Palestinian village. It was it was extremely quiet. Um, the, there are soldiers everywhere right now. You know, I think that uh, one of the biggest things that we've gained so far, at least in this area, is fear. Meaning they're they're scared of us at this point out here. Um, we've taken a lot of measures and a lot of actions um, out here where I live to ensure that we can live as comfortably as possible and as safely as possible. Um, you know, down south, up north is obviously very, very different, but the tides can, can turn in a minute. You know, the other day, things were quiet as well. Friday afternoon, things were quiet, and the Palestinians started throwing rocks at cars and lighting tires on fire and rolling them down the street. So things could change in a second. And that was uh, close to your home, some of those acts? That was about three-minute drive from my home. Oh, my God. So uh, you in a position, I had Dove hiking on the other day, and I know you know Dove, and uh, he went back to Israel, and he's been touring the country. And I've known Dove a long time. He's a tough guy, and he cried on this show on Tuesday. He started to cry. He uh, went into some of those homes in Eshkelon and those places where he said you can smell death and see the blood and all of that. And uh, while we were having our conversation, Yud, I have to tell you that in the 10 minutes we were on together, uh, we heard about 20 explosions, and every time there was an explosion, Dove was like, oh, my God, did you hear that? Oh, my God, did you hear that? At no point did he run to a shelter. He continued the conversation on the phone. But it was very unnerving for me, and I'm thousands and thousands of miles away. And I know you hear that stuff all day long, yes? Yeah. I mean, the, the other day, uh, yesterday or two days ago, it's all a blur right now in terms of days. You know, the kids don't have school. We're working from home, so I really don't even know what day it is, but uh, it was either yesterday or two days ago. I took my son out to a, a little like petting zoo that's right near our house. It was open in a limited capacity. I think they were allowed to have 30 people because um, that's the amount of people that could fit in the bomb shelter that's there. Um, and while we were there, I was with my son. And, you know, I have a son on a son in a wheelchair. He has cerebral palsy. And I was pushing him around and he had a buddy of his with him. And all of a sudden I heard the phones going off, the alarms on the phones going off. And it was a massive boom overhead. Um, and it turns out it wasn't even local. It, the missile landed in Jerusalem, which, like I said, is about 20, 25 minutes away from us. But we heard it. We, we felt it. Um, and I had to make the decision at that point, you know, a decision that, that nobody really wants to make. It. <laughs> Do I stay here with my kid and continue giving him the stimulation and enjoyment that he needs and he loves and that he's not getting in school and from other friends right now? Or, or do I run and take him home and feel like I'm not safe? You know? What'd you do? Um, and it's, it, it's, I stayed. I stayed. You Good. know, we, we, I went to the manager of the, of the facility first, and I asked her where the closest bomb shelter is, make sure it was open, and, you know, stayed nearby just in case. But I told my son, you know, we're not going to run away in fear right now. We're going to stay for, for 20 more minutes. You get to play with a few more animals. And kind of, again, it, it's important for, for him, for all of our children, to kind of have this semblance of, of continuity of, of life, you know. Um, they don't have school, so they're literally sitting home all day, and we're trying to find ways to enrich their days. Um, well, when you say that they, they don't have school, you know, um, COVID, for example, not nearly as dangerous as what you're going through. In fact, uh, not all that dangerous at all, especially for kids, part of the uh, big American lie. 
but they kept our kids home during COVID too. And, uh, but they put them on computers, you know, and they put them on Zoom and kids were like playing games and who knows what they were doing. And we just got dumber, which is almost impossible in America. So your kids aren't even yeah. doing Zoom so, lessons. It's no school at all. Nothing. So Zoom, Zoom has started this week. Uh, my daughter, who's in third grade, um, has, I think, two, maybe three Zoom classes a day, each one about 45 minutes to an hour. So you're talking about, let's say she wakes up at 6 and goes to bed at 7, 13 hours. So there's still 10 hours of the day unaccounted for. Um, well, they have to sleep so, at some point, you know, Yehuda, don't they? They have to sleep at some point. No, I'm saying if she wakes up at at, uh, at 6 and goes to sleep at 7 oh, p.m., gotcha. that's 13 hours right, of the day. Right, right, yeah, right. So, so there's still yeah. 10 hours a day unaccounted for of, like, yeah. what do we do? And, yeah. and we're all home, and I'm trying to work, and I'm also very involved in the security in my area and doing this big fundraiser that we're involved with and purchasing all the equipment and literally smuggling equipment in, meaning we had people pack suitcases and fly to the airport and, and drive to the airport and send them with random people to Israel just to make sure that we have the gear that we need out here. So there's a lot of moving pieces to what, what we're involved with out here right now. And juggling the kids on top of that is difficult, you know, but oh uh, we're doing the best we can. And it's, it's further made crazy, Sid, by some of the teachers that teach our kids are also in, uh, also in the reserves. So they're out in the army as well, or maybe their husbands are in the army, so they can't go to work, and they're home with their kids. So it, it's it's a big uh, balagan, as they say in Israel. I have to imagine that you know during the daytime it's got to be tough enough, but you can see right, you can see what's going on. But when night comes and you can't see anything, and you hear gunshots or hear um, explosions, especially for the little children, your kids, God bless them, it's got to be really horrifying what are the nights like in your in your town in israel yeah so the when, when this first started you know that that shabbat morning that saturday morning on some when it all started uh we were sitting outside in my on my porch outside my house on a regular saturday morning i was drinking a cup of coffee before i headed off to temple and the kids were running around outside and all of a sudden i hear boom and my wife said, what was that? And I said, oh, it must have been someone dropped something. Or it's like, uh, I, I couldn't, in, in, my, in my wildest dreams, if you could have told me to write down my wildest dreams at that moment, I would not have said anything like what has been happening the past 10 days. In my wildest dreams, I couldn't have imagined it. Um, but then we heard it again and again and again. And we looked up to the sky on the hills over us, and, and we literally saw the Iron Dome taking down missiles. Mm. And, you know, I, I quickly rushed the kids into the house. And, you know, it's Sabbath, and I'm an observant Jew, but I grabbed my phone right away, and I opened up my, 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 my phone, and I said, you know, I had to check the security message and see what was going on around me. Um, you know, and I, and I quickly learned that there was a situation and we tried to bunker down, but for the next uh, the next four or five nights, my daughter slept in my bed, in my mine and my wife's bed with us. She would not leave our side. My eldest daughter, uh, my youngest, my, my my youngest, she's two, so she didn't know what was happening. And our middle kid, my my son, who's six years old, he uh, you know he was waking up multiple times a night, just calling us just to make sure that we were here. Oh my god! He'd be like, Abba, Ima, Mommy, Dad, just so we'd come into his room and he'd say, I'm going back to sleep. He just wanted to know that we were home, yeah, that we were here, that we were okay, that he was okay. Yeah. Have you, know? you uh, um, and I know you've got uh, a smart guy, Yehuda, and a, and a great business guy, but uh, you're a terrific father and a great husband, and you, you love your three children, but have you considered at any point uh, joining the, um, or maybe you are a member of the Army, I don't know what your, your situation is, but it seems like a lot of folks are leaving home and heading down to that Gaza border. Did you consider that, or is that something you, you couldn't do? 
Yeah, so I, I made Aliyah. I moved to Israel at the age of 27, which is after the, uh, the, the, the age that they'll, that they'll draft me into the army. So I never actually did army service. So I don't have the ability to, to join the army. Um, you know, there's obviously local security and local patrol that's happening within my community, which I am involved with. And then on, on a bigger level, you know, utilizing, you know, my, my relationships within the United States, because I live in a community that's very mixed. There's Americans, there's Russians, there's Israelis. Um, so utilizing the connections of the United States, we put together this fundraiser and tried to leverage our relationships with our family and our friends in the United States. And we raised this money. And that was an initiative that myself and a couple of friends put together. And like I said, you know, you were a part of it, Sid, and, and, and we raised over about $180,000 so far. Right. There's still a ways to go. We're still looking to raise more and really make our community as safe as it possibly can be. Just last night, I had a meeting until around 11.30 p.m. Uh, with the local security team discussing the needs, and which are constantly changing. Like the, the needs of the community and the needs of the security team are constantly changing based on what the Arabs are popping up with and what they're doing. Yeah, sure. Well, the one more, then I'll get back to the fundraiser. We'll wrap things up. And uh, thank you so much for doing this today. Your voice provides a lot of solace for folks here who are nervous about what's going on in Israel, may have family or friends. So your voice this morning is doing a lot more than you could even imagine. Uh, have you ever had any thoughts over the last week that uh, you wish you were back in the United States? Because I must tell you that everybody that I speak to, very anecdotal, I get it. But even a guy like Dove Hyken, he flew there as soon as the war started. Uh, none of these people say that. Oh, I wish I was back in the United States now. They they seem more than happy to be there, whether they're actually grabbing a gun or not, defending their home state of Israel. I imagine you feel the same way. A hundred percent. I'll tell you two things. First of all, I, I didn't even have a single thought of maybe we should fly back. Like, there, there literally wasn't a single thought in my mind, my wife's mind, my children's mind. My kids didn't even bring it up and be like, you know, should we go back to America? And we were just there in August to, so like, it's fresh. It's new. They knew. They know that we're there. They, you know, easily we could have gone back, but it, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a question and a thought in the slightest. But you know, a lot of people ask me, like, you know, the the biggest message that I'm really seeing out of all this. And you know, we're obviously living in a in a time, like you said, you know, Joe Hyken went into those houses and he saw some of that, and it's it's literally a darkness of darkness of darkness. It's absolutely terrible what's happening, and there is there's pictures of. Uh, of the, of the houses of these of these these families and people whose whose lives were taken and it literally looks like life stopped like a carton of milk on the counter but shattered mm. with blood mm. you know like life literally stopped for these people in the middle of their morning routine um, cups of coffee like just sitting there on the coffee table full but you know no one did um, so mm. while we're living in the state of absolute complete darkness we're also seeing an insane insane amount of light. And, and goodness that's coming out of this, like mm. all across the country, everywhere you go, yeah, everywhere yeah. you see, there's people who are doing things for other people, doing things for soldiers, whether it's raising money, delivering things, making food. Someone just called me and asked if tomorrow at 4 p.m. I'll go, I'll, I'll, I, if I was willing to go to a barbecue for 50 soldiers, I need someone to man the grill. Someone purchased the food, can I man the grill? And I said 100%. Like, mm. you know, so I have work meetings, but if anything else happening, it, it doesn't matter. The soldiers come first. I'll, I'll change my schedule. So there's also so, so much goodness coming sure, out of everything sure. that's happening. I mean, yeah, well, the way you sound right now, you sounded like uh, a lot of us after 9-11. Uh, similar circumstances, right? I mean, uh, 3,000 dead on our own soil, something we never thought would happen. And uh, with us, it lasted a couple of weeks. My confidence is that the Israelis, it'll last for a long time. Because America was 
even divided back then, 21 years ago. But we, we had a couple of weeks where there was this amazing kumbaya feeling, and people, like you said, were, were in it together. So we do have some of that experience here in New York, which you do as well. So on the way out, uh, Yehuda, for folks that uh, want to get involved, like you said, me and Danielle already have. It's a great cause. How do people help you out today? So the link is, is on a website called the Chesed Fund. It's a little bit of a long URL, so it's hard for me to, to uh, kind of read it out on the air. Maybe I'll send it to you, Sid, and you can post it on your Facebook. It's also on my Instagram and my social media. So if anyone wants to come follow me, Judah Hanikman, J-U-D-A-H-O-N-I-C-K-M-A-N, they can do that. The link is there. And uh, we really appreciate and love everyone's support and all the love and messages that we're getting from all over the world. Well, I wish uh, you nothing, obviously, but uh, health and prosperity, you, know, you and your beautiful family and your children, all three of them, and just stay safe. And uh, if there's ever anything I can do, which I know sounds silly, but I mean it, if there's anything I can do from all the way back here in America, you've got my number. Feel free to call me any time of the day. Wake me up whenever you want, because we love you, and uh, we've got your backs. So just be safe, okay, pal? Thank you so much, Sid. Have a good one. You too, buddy. Yehuda Hanekman right there. Great kid. Helped out me and Danielle and Ava and Gabriel and um, makes me sad, man. He's got three kids. He's got a kid with cerebral palsy in a wheelchair. The brave guy right there. God bless him. I'll be back. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Great journey song. Sounds of gunfire and rockets right now as we speak near the embassy in Beirut, Lebanon. Gunfire and rockets. Once again, thank you to Yehuda Hanikman. Author Idolis sent this. He goes, Sid, that was a spectacular interview. The real inside scoop. He is a brave guy. He is. And Joseph Abud said, Sid, on a very serious note, your amazing work these last eight days on Israel is so very badly needed and so very important. I'm so proud of you and your work. It is deservant of an Emmy. Love you so much, Joe Abood. And he right. Marconi or something, I mean. Don't get me wrong. I appreciated that uh, Best uh, Morning Show award a couple of weeks ago, but we're even bigger and better than that. But uh, it's not just me. It's, you know, all these brave folks, whether it's Alex Trayman in Jerusalem every morning or Yehuda Hanikman. Our friend who called in just now, that's real bravery, that's real courage. Those are real men. My next guest is a dear, dear friend, and I've been watching him the last couple of days. You know, 
One thing Hamas does very well, besides barbaric murder, is they do a great job of practicing psychological warfare. That video they sent out a couple days ago yesterday of Mia Shem, for example, beautiful 21-year-old Israeli girl, that's, um, that's psychological warfare. And they're doing it again today, claiming that Israel bombed, rocketed that hospital in Gaza, when, of course, they did it. But it's far-reaching, even back here. I I have to tell you that there is no question that since last Saturday morning, I'm not the same. I'm not. I didn't watch football the next day. I know that sounds silly, but it's true. I mean, some of the stuff I do on a regular basis, I had zero desire to do. Zero. Find myself very introspective. I cry all the time, which is nothing new for me, but it's worse now. I have in my head just these pictures of this young girl yesterday and children and that family of five that I saw yesterday a hundred times in the papers that were murdered together, that were huddled together before they were killed. And thoughts of that young lady who, much like Sharon Tate and Charles Manson, the pregnant girl, who Hamas carved out her baby with a knife before killing her and the child. I mean, all these things just don't go away. If you're human, they don't go away. So even I'm experiencing this, and I'm far from the action. I'm Jewish, so I've taken this personally. I've told you that. It's more personal to me. I'm sorry. It is. But I'm far from the action. And a couple of times a day, I find myself lost, lost in despair. So Dr. Mark Siegel is going to tell me why that's the case. Uh, Dr. Mark, nice to have you on this this Wednesday morning. How are you, pal? Great to hear you, Sid, and your coverage has been spectacular. I agree with that. Um, As you were saying this, I wanted to point out something to the listeners that they don't hear enough. The reason Sid Rosenberg and Mark Siegel are in tears, and I say tears instead of fears, or Ainsley Earhart said that yesterday, tears instead of fears, is because the state of Israel, the country of Israel, was founded Uh, so that the Holocaust wouldn't be repeated. And we have the law of return, meaning that Sid and I can become citizens of Israel any day we choose, which is a spectacular gift that we have. And it's a gift to the Jewish people that can't be taken away. It won't be taken away. And the idea that Hamas engaged in these, these acts of atrocity that are reminiscent of the Holocaust can't be said enough because you never hear a Jewish person bring up the Holocaust in this vein until now. And I spoke yesterday on the radio to someone, I'd love you to have, have you on, uh, Sid, Dr. Barack Cohen, who's the vice chair of anesthesiology up at Tel Aviv. He was in the IDF till 2015. He went to visit someone yesterday, a, a, a teen named Alan who suddenly finds himself without a father, without a mother, without brothers and sisters, and without friends, completely isolated or orphan. And, you know, Dr. Cohen went down to see him. And it, it's, it's very hard to console people like that. And a lot of the injuries that occurred that you just described, people were buried in buildings. So by the time they got to the hospital, it was almost impossible to save them. Burn victims and, and gunshot and shrapnel. He, Dr. Cohen said normally Israel just takes people out of these buildings and, you know, resurrects them quickly and resuscitates them with fluids. But they were so difficult to get to. And the most important thing I want to say before I I shut up is I asked Dr. Cohen a a question that I bet a lot of people are asking, especially after that hospital got uh, 
destroyed and, of course, blamed on Israel, and people died falsely blamed on Israel. You correctly pointed out Hamas tactics, psychic terror. They're called terrorists, of course. I asked him, do you take care of Palestinians in your hospital, Sid? And he laughed at me. He says, of course we do. He says, by the way, we take care of terrorists here, too. And by the way, even if Hamas came in here, we would take care of them. That's what physicians do. And that's the humanitarian side of all of this versus the inhumanitarianism of Hamas. You are exactly right. And I'll tell you, you mentioned Nazi Holocaust. And there was a difference. You know, the Nazis went out of their way to hide all that. Now, look, there was no social media. Maybe if there was Instagram or TikTok, maybe Hitler would have done things differently. But I don't think so, because he was, for Hitler, it was about, yes, exterminating the Jews, but he wanted land, too. It wasn't just annihilation like Hamas. And they went out of their way to hide their atrocities. These animals, they can't wait to tell the world. I mean, I actually, there's a uh, a lady, she's, she's a porn star, believe it or not. She's grotesque. Her name is Mia Khalifa. But she's made millions of dollars, Dr. Mark Siegel, millions of dollars, and very popular here in America. And she actually was tweeting, live tweeting during the massacre, and she was complaining that the freedom fighters, that's how she referred to them, as many Americans did, even even American media, freedom fighters, as the freedom fighters were holding their phones horizontally. She wanted them to hold the phones sideways so she can get a better view of the massacre. I'm sorry. I have never, even the Nazis, I've never seen or heard of anything like this before, where both sides, where people like me and you are devastated, and the other side are so bloodthirsty, they wanted more. And you bring to mind here the other hugely important point, which is that social media and the way that these video images are being grotesquely mailed around or beamed around the world create a psychic terror to us here. And we're not there, but the images are being overused, overutilized for political points and for political reasons, and they undermine everyone's courage. And I've been saying, you know, going back to my fear book, that fear is a terrible, erosive emotion, and we have to relate to the courage that Israel is showing right now to fight back. You know, unwavering courage and also, you know, compassion and kindness for each other. You've shown me kindness this week, Sid, and I am very grateful for that. That's the way we have to be, because those emotions, and this is neurologic now, go through the same part of the brain. You cannot laugh and be afraid at the same time. You cannot be courageous and afraid at the same time. So we can learn from that. And and for our children, and you have, you know, I'm thinking of your son now, but who's an amazing human being, we have to teach them courage, not fear, and you've been doing that. So that's what we have to do here. That's our role here, to give what we can and to show that we're not afraid. Well, tell me this. For kids that are afraid and, and having trouble sleeping, and that's happening, uh, obviously, most in Israel, but it's happening here, too. Um, what do you recommend? What do parents do? What should kids do? Don't stifle them, number one. Tell your kids to say what's on your mind. What have you seen? What has someone said to you? What are you thinking about? How are you troubled? What is troubling you? And then don't try to dismiss what they say, what their fears are. Try to tr- Try to show what you're feeling and maybe help them to negotiate. It's a, it's a great time for family. By the way, here's an amazing example of that. The city of Starot, right by the Gaza border, which you know, just got flattened. And I spoke to their resilience, head of resiliency down there, uh, Ayala Shmuel, who actually is a psychotherapist. She said, you know, we were ready for this. They rebuilt the community network in that city right away. And so people don't sleep at night. 
They don't. They're smoking chimneys. They're smoking like chimneys. They're full of anger and they're not suppressing it. They say this is she said this is for survival. Don't be afraid of your anger. Your anger is appropriate right now. But the key was the community said share it. Share your emotions. You don't um, you're not one of those doctors that suggests or uh, prescribes medicine. I don't know. I know you're not a psychologist or a therapist, for that matter, Dr. Mark, even though you're a brilliant man and you make me feel better lots of times. You're not one of those doctors that right away wants to prescribe medication, or are you? Do you believe that that helps? Well, medication can help, but it's not the first step. The first step is is unbottling your emotions. And, and uh, you know, I, she she just inspired me. I mean, I said, are people sleeping at night? How do you get them to sleep? She says, we're sharing our lack of sleeping. None of us are sleeping. So it's about revving up your engine. You know, the adrenaline is pumping. You're in a state of high high stress. Um, if Listen, I prescribe medicines to calm people down. But in this, in this time, especially when you're in Israel, it's it's appropriate to be feeling these short term, longer term, I think. Therapy works, but it's not time for therapy. It's It's time for caring. I agree. Well, it's great to have you back. You're uh, you're awesome. You know I love you. And uh, I look forward to when I can do something as fun as going to a Nick game with you or, or going to Keene Steakhouse. i got to tell you, right now I'm having a tough time doing that type of stuff. Um, but I'm sure that uh, we'll all get back to normal eventually. Uh, this is just a very, very tough time, not just for Jewish people like you and I, Mark, but most Americans and certainly all Israelis that have a heart. Uh, just watching these images every day, reading this stuff every day, it just, it beats the hell out of you, pal. It just does. I got to say one last thing. It's an absolute disgrace the way our universities are acting in this country. I mean, I believe in free speech, but, you know, don't attack Jews right now. Do not attack Israel right now, please. That's that's awful, and we shouldn't, it shouldn't be happening here. Is it going on at Brown? Of course. Uh, aye, you aye, know, it's aye. going on everywhere. It's going on Cornell. You know what happened at Harvard. I mean, yeah. with, the, with the student groups, it's going on at NYU. I, I, I met yesterday with our head of, of students for Israel at NYU. She's terrific. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it shouldn't be a warfare in, in ideology here. Right. One country was attacked. They're That's now it. That's trying it. to defend themselves. Right. I'm sick of hearing about the Palestinians running out of water. So I don't know how much money you give to Brown University because you're one of the most famous graduates. It's a wonderful Ivy League school, but it is very liberal. And uh, they're every bit as bad as the rest of those Ivy League schools. Would you consider, if you are giving money now, if you have been giving money on a regular basis since you left, would you consider cutting that off until they stop some of these groups? Yeah, absolutely. By the way, the president of Brown, Christina Paxson, is converted to Judaism. She's Her heart is in the right place, but there's a lot of what you just said going on there. And I don't think we should be supporting a place that, again, free speech, fine, but how about informed speech and, and not hate speech? See, that's the issue. Once you hold up a, a cell phone with a swastika, that's hate speech. That's not free speech. And that's going on everywhere. Hey, listen, you're the best. You know, my mom's not feeling well. I gotta tell you a quick story on the way out. My mom's not feeling well. She's at Garnett Hospital in upstate New York. And, uh, you know, she makes fun of the doctors up there. You know, she should. And she's like, you know, son, when I get home, I want to go to New York City. Those are the best hospitals. She goes, you know, your friend, your friend, the doctor, or Mark, you know, I want to go see him. I said, Ma, if you come back to New York City, I promise you, that Dr. Mark Siegel will see you on a minute's notice. So get ready, Siegel. Naomi's going to be calling.
It will be an honor, and I will see her on a moment's notice, and I will go to see her. I'll make a house call. I promise. Oh, I love you. Thank you, Dr. Mark. You were great today, okay. as always. Thank you so much. Great to see you, Sid. You great. too. That's Bye. the man, Dr. Mark Siegel, Fox News. And it is Wednesday, Tunnel to Towers. Thank you, Dr. Mark. That was great. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Boy, this is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Folks, we're done. Lou Rufino, Justin Ellick, and uh, Noam, terrific job. Thank you to all our great guests and everybody who messaged me on social media. We'll be back tomorrow, God willing, at six. Until then, folks, pray for Israel.